0: Hey
1: folks, welcome to Avocado Gamescast number 68. Not with a pound sign, but with the word number written out. We're fancy like that. Anyway, <laughs> we've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to ta- chat all about streaming. We're going to talk about Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, gaming, and Mixer. and In particular, what Mixer was trying to do and what ultimately ended up happening to it. Anyway, I'm your annoying co-worker, Merv. And joining <laughs> me today, we've got TGIF. It's the Kappa. Hey, is, uh, I guess it is. All right. <laughs> we'll pretend. And with the inside scoop, working hard or hardly
2: working, it's Admirax.
3: I like the word scoop. I get to feel like a like a 1940s reporter.
2: Yeah, you have to do that crazy accent too yeah. now. What's to the scoop?
3: Listen, listen up, everyone. We're yeah. going to talk about streaming.
1: Yeah, you got to do that mid-Atlantic accent that I wish <laughs> I could do. Um, so how are you folks doing today?
2: Good. It's a lazy Saturday for me. Cut the grass. Yeah. And now I'm just sitting inside.
1: I did groceries today, which is now, like, an event. (laughs) The apartment (laughs) is an event. Um, So I'm I'm enjoying that, like, I can turn mundane things into these big productions.
2: Yeah, I know. Like, everything requires more planning than it used to. It's just, like, one extra layer of having to do stuff.
3: I don't know how I haven't managed to remember to wear a mask yet. I keep walking out the door without one. And we've been, it's not like we haven't, we've only been doing this for like a couple of weeks. We've been doing this for months. Mm-hmm. And I keep managing to forget to wear a mask. I don't yeah. know how I keep doing it.
2: It's its bad for me, too. I always feel like people are going to look at me and be like, oh, oh he's one of those anti maskers. <laughs> it's like, <nah. laughs> no.
3: No, no, no. No, I'm no, no. I just, just absolutely
2: minded. <laughs> <laughs> Because I went to a, we did a pickup at a restaurant and my wife ordered ahead and I forgot that I was taking a different car than what she, the one she had. So I drove all the way out there and there was no masks in there and they, it was curbside, but I was kind of like waiting longer than I thought I should have been. I was like, Oh no, what if I have to go in? You know? So luckily I kind of like beeped my horn, felt like a jerk about doing it, but that was like think the only option I had going for me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's weird times right now.
1: For sure. Um, and i've been as i'm sure uh the two of you have been stuck inside playing a lot of video games yes Uh, so uh kappa what have you been
2: playing lately uh a little thing called the sinking city um uh, this is i feel like i'm gonna kind of like beat myself up over this one because i've been on the record here a couple times being like look atmosphere doesn't make a game you need more to it right uh feel like i was kind of wrong on this one i'm not super high on lovecraft stuff just kind of in general like i've never really been like it's been okay stuff to me like i the cosmic horror and things i think are cool and but you know i, I couldn't tell you the difference between a show goth and you know i don't know what are, what are the rest of them but Cthulhu, um, i guess yeah exactly this was kind of like the first uh game that kind of like really grabbed me. And it's by the Sherlock Holmes guys. Um, so I think maybe the layer there was that kind of pulled me. It was the detective stuff um, kind of pulled me in. Uh, but the, the atmosphere and everything kind of surrounding the game is really well done. Um, it's a good looking game in a weird way. It kind of sets you into um, this city that's sinking. Uh, there's a giant flood took over. All of a sudden weird things started showing up. Um, they're kind of isolated cut off from everybody else, not really looking for help because there's a lot of weirdness going on. But, um, the, the plot kind of follows a detective who shows up in this area, kind of looking at slash helping to look for, uh, a lot of missing people who have gone missing in the area for, uh, uh, you know, they hear the call of madness and that's, what's pulling them kind of, um, to this area. uh, the cool thing I think about the game itself is that it's really a detective game at the core. There's a lot of Batman-ish type things going on where you're going into detective mode. Another thing I hate, um, but <laughs> it, it works when the, the the game is centered around it a little bit more than I think maybe with Batman. Um, I, I really I liked the settings. I liked the scenes. I thought the missions were strange uh, in a good way, like in, in a Lovecraft way, I guess um kind of like with the show i think that it's dealing with some stuff a lot of people are pointing out hey this thing is is actually kind of you know racist obviously um and so i think that that's one of the things that the game has had to deal with there's a character who's kind of um you know got some issues going on and i I, there's a disclaimer at the beginning of the game like hey we're kind of presenting this as it was for the time which i don't know i mean maybe good maybe bad but i can see that kind of being a little bit controversial as the game goes on um you know, long-term discussions on it. But they it kind of more in the lines of, of what Lovecraft presented, which I think had some problems. Uh, game looks good, plays really well. I played it on EA uh, Access, and like I was saying when I talked about this game might be my game of the year, I think that one of the things was is this was one of the very first Epic exclusives um, that's now kind of showing up somewhere else, right? Um, so now that Epic exclusive means more epic for a for a little bit it's exclusive um maybe maybe a better time to refresh what we think about the epic store i think we might get more into that later but um the the game itself played really well fun times i finished it probably about maybe 15 20 hours uh it's got a neat little open world going on uh if you're into kind of detective stuff but also the lovecraft things both angles kind of work to get me pulled into the game um, so it's kind of a, kind of a recommend for me. Um, that's pretty much it. I, I've, yeah. it stuck under my radar honestly, because I think I'd kind of chalked it off with, you know, maybe I'm not going to check this thing out for a while because it looked like it was going to be Epic store exclusive. I don't have anything against the Epics or even it's just, I thought if it's going to be on there for a long time, I might not see it anywhere else. And Epic doesn't usually do big sales. They usually do it for free or for nothing. So more, being more of a sale buyer, that's why I thought that, mm. but, uh, it's, it's not a bad game at all.
3: I remember their booth at a... Uh, it was either E3 or PAX. Um, but I it was a really cool booth, and they had these two people in costumes, like these fish... These oh, freaky no. fish people.
2: Oh, like it's look? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, and the costumes were just so well done. I had I had faith that the design of this game, at least, at the uh, very minimum was going to be really missing, sick and rad.
2: Missing PAX this year has really been, like... like We, we do an annual trip to, like... Orlando, and then PAX was like our other like annual trip as a family. And missing that this year has been really painful. Like not just not going yeah. up to see like my Seattle friends and stuff, but also like that's such a cool, weird like culture almost. It's it's almost like visiting a foreign country. Is, is the best way <laughs> I can describe it. But like missing that this year has been really tough for us too. Um, but thinking about like all the weird, cool booths and stuff, I, that that's one thing I do miss.
3: Yeah, I hope that uh since and maybe this is an unfounded fear but since sony's been kind of skipping out packs and uh microsoft's been doing their own thing i hope this is just a temporary reprieve from conventions and not like kind of the death knell
2: yeah i I i'm with you there i i enjoy them um and e3 is not something i ever got to go to obviously but um you know e3 going from the fans to the to the reporters and journalists only back to the fans, I think has been kind of a, a thing that maybe people noticed, but packs having always been for the fans. And weirdly, I feel like in the past couple ones getting more t- tilted towards, uh, the journalists, I think was kind of a mistake. So maybe that's the part that resets and they say, look, this is just going to be for the fans again. Mm-hmm. Um, Just The last two or three packs has felt a little bit different to me. Not a bad way. I don't know how you keep all that stuff kind of aligned, but uh, that'd be the one hopeful uh, end for me is that if it goes back towards being more of a fan experience, less of a, uh, a media thing.
3: Plus, I mean, I think cities like Seattle would have a vested interest in keeping them fan
2: oriented yeah. because,
3: you know, people are going to restaurants or staying at hotels.
2: Yeah. And Seattle kind of changes for PAX a little bit. That whole downtown mm-hmm. area kind of takes on a little bit of a, a life of its own um, mm-hmm. that I don't I didn't usually see on normal, you know, weekends. It it It's kind of a, a cultural shift in some ways. You kind of get rid of some of the tech bros and more of some of the cosplayers in a way. So, um
3: Oh, I think uh, you'll find I think you'll find there's more overlap than you,
2: <laughs>
1: you would think. Yeah. So I'm Rockford. You've been playing.
3: Uh, so like I said on the last episode, I was taking a long break from uh video games, but earlier today, actually, I picked up. Uh, I'm a couple years behind, but I picked up God of War. Oh,
1: nice, yeah, the the tw- the 2018
3: uh reboot. hmm mm-hmm. nice. Um, It's super fun so far. I'm not very far into it, obviously, but it's super fun so far. I can see why everybody was calling each other boy
0: (laughs) a couple (laughs) years ago. Uh,
3: So I'm really enjoying it. I was worried initially. This is something I've noticed with games, and I was trying to figure out how to phrase this. It seems like in the past few years, games have become, and I'm going to sound like such a capital G gamer saying this, uh, but it seems like games have become a little too easy. Mm-hmm. Like, a, there's there's a certain, like, fluidity to combat that I think has kind of reduced the difficulty of a lot of battle in games now. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I think for me, it kind of comes from the idea that, like, the ultimate combat skill is parry. Th- does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. like, so many games kind of pushing that onto you, and... Um, I think people kind of maybe ran with that from, like, the Dark Souls series, thinking, mm-hmm. like, oh, people really seem to love this whole, like, if I hit the button at the right time, I do a special move or something like that. And it's creeped into a lot of things, but I, too, find it a little bit easy, honestly. Once you learn the game's timing, like, from there, it kind of gets, a, you know, a, a little easier, yeah. like you're saying.
3: I first noticed it in uh, Arkham City, especially. Um, mm mm-hmm. Where, where you're just kind of doing these long combos of, of fighting the mooks. and that was fun on one hand because you're you know you're Batman you're supposed to be kicking butt and on the other hand yeah I think it's it's made more I don't know how, I I don't know what specifically about it I'm not super enjoying anyway all of that to say I think God of War does have some very that same kind of very fluid style of combat but um it was fun I just I just uh, had my first like big boss battle, uh, and I actually did find it mildly challenging. So, I, I, I have hope that the rest of the game is, is going to be uh, challenging.
2: It is good. Um, I, I, it's one of the ones I felt like I enjoyed maybe more than some of the other hyped uh games of that time. Um, I definitely found myself going through it. The one thing I think. I don't, I, I don't want to blow anybody up, but, I, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, this this talks a lot about, you know, fathers and sons and it really echoed, like maybe with with their relationships, but like I, being a dad, like, I don't know, I, I don't, I felt different about it, I'll just put it that way, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was speaking to me as a father and more of like, okay, let, don't be like this, like, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. more than anything, um, it wasn't really like, oh yeah, it's, it's tough to be a dad, no, it's, yeah, it's tough to be a dad, but not for these reasons, you know, right. so, um but I I I'm that's not don't let that bring you down in the story. because I actually really did enjoy it um a lot more so than some of the other ones at that time.
3: Yeah, and I I, I confess I haven't played any of the other God of War games. I just kind of saw clips.
2: Oh, wow, you're you're good. Clips. With
3: yeah. I kind of figured because the clips yeah. like
1: <laughs> the other ones are that. have a little bit more like
2: spectacle and a yeah. little like set yeah. to see.
3: Yeah, yeah, so it seemed like it seemed like something that would really appeal to like high school boys, be like, yeah, that's
2: awesome. It, you, you nailed it. It's definitely one of one of those games where like it probably looks better like on a YouTube video of like, hey, look at this insane fight of this giant god, but all the stuff getting up there too is is not just kind of cringy but also kind of problematic. So you're probably fine with not really running that series.
1: Yeah, cool. it Good hasn't thing. aged super duper well, unfortunately. <laughs>
3: I figured
1: as much, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's that You mentioned like the, the kind of parrying combat and um like this is not exactly what I'm going to talk about, uh but I like, have been playing Ghost of Tsushima recently. It has exactly that that same kind of combat where you're, you know, blocking and parrying with the weapons and then waiting for the op- your opportunity to strike. But I think the way they've kind of made it um you know, they've kept the fluidity, but but kind of up the challenge, is by, like, giving the enemies a lot of tools at their disposal, so you're not just, you know, pressing this like, press parry to win kind
0: of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. If you, like, if you, like, there, there are two ways to kind of make it more complicated. There's, like, give you a lot more stuff to memorize, or give you a lot more stuff to deal with. And it, I think giving you, like, more varied enemy encounters is, is how they've kind of solve that problem or square that circle.
3: Right. Yeah, and I, I like the idea of that, especially because <laughs> you mentioned having a lot of stuff to memorize. That is my least favorite style of combat. Like, I, I appreciate that if other people like that, that's great. Um, but I can't remember anything mm-hmm. as, as far combos as like, and stuff. doing combos and special moves. That's why I can't play like Mortal Kombat. Because um, so, when I get into a tense situation i just want to smash every button possible so if if i have to remember more than like say three button presses i'm i'm gonna not be using some kind of combat feature
2: yeah yeah. uh, i i'm the same way even replaying spider-man was one of those things where like i went through probably half the game forgetting that there was that one button you could push to web people and i was like well, how do i kill this guy because i got back (laughs) into it you know I just couldn't remember. I was like, oh, yeah, there's that one weird button that you push to web up somebody and then attack them. It's like a whole separate button, and I know exactly what you mean by that.
1: Yeah, no lie. I actually sometimes before, like, you can pause of Tsushima and go into the menus at pretty much any time. Like, sometimes during combat, I'll pause the menu and, like, go into the technique tree to remind myself what the button presses are. It's literally just (laughs) different numbers of triangle buttons. Yeah, I yeah, just exactly. can't remember <laughs> how many times i <laughs> <he's laughs> supposed exact exact to hit triangle. triangle.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like
2: is it three or two? Yeah, those yeah those are the worst, I think.
3: Yeah, I can't remember what it was in Death Stranding, but there was some move that you're supposed to do like uh, kind of near the end for a boss battle. I won't I won't spoil anything, but there's one specific move that makes the boss battle like much much easier. And I had never up until that point actually used that move. Yeah. And uh, so I was having a really hard time with this boss battle. I'm like, what the hell am I doing wrong? And I had to look it up and all these, you know, Reddit posts and what have you were saying, oh, that boss battle is so easy. What a gimme. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I have become bad. I have become bad at playing games. And it turns <laughs> out I just, I wasn't pushing X at the right time, <laughs> you know?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so as for what I've actually been playing, um, I mean, I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima, but I also last night just finished the new Paper Mario game, uh, the Origami King, uh, which is actually the first Paper Mario game I've ever played. Oh wow! Yeah, I Sorry. didn't really grow up with Nintendo consoles, mm-hmm. um, so I think kind of it had the series kind of had its birth as more of an RPG franchise, and as it's grown, it's transitioned more into like an adventure game with Like some RPG elements and some puzzle elements thrown in. So this is a lot more on... It's almost like a a point-and-click adventure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I don't think it's... um, I think just uh, going where I'm going, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you're going to end up with a bad result if you kind of change the genre of the the game but like the the kind of overall end product is a little confused like it's only it feels like it's three halves of games stuffed together instead of like one full game if that makes any
2: sense yeah that's a lot of the reviews have been kind of pointing that out that it, it, it feels like a collection rather than a than a complete story or something like that
1: yeah it's not a very cohesive game unfortunately and like i'm not actually gonna bash on this game because i don't think it's a terrible game i think it's an okay game but it's an okay game that has like a lot of really good parts and a lot of really bad parts more than something that's just kind of mediocre all the way through if that makes Mm any sense um so like i think it's super duper creative uh, in a lot of parts um some of the, the world designs are really inspired like this um, like Japanese autumn forest area that they've got going on where everything's like in shades of gold and red and there's like a, a shogun temple and an amusement park kind of layered uh, into it. Um, yeah so like really so they have some like really inspired world design we start getting into like origami castles and things like that. And you can see how they've, like, folded up the paper to make the environments. There's a lot of really cool stuff um, in just, like, the general world design. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, it's also kind of a really tedious game.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Like, and, you know, there there are lots of games where where exploration is almost its own reward. And even, like, a lot of other Nintendo games. Like, I played, you know, Super Mario Odyssey a few years ago. And just exploring those levels is a lot of fun Um, but in Paper Mario it seems like everything you explore kind of does something predictable like if you see something that looks kind of like a puzzle you know that if you solve it you're going to get either a collectible or a weapon or a bunch of coins you're never really surprised by anything Um, and sort of on top of that the combat system is a little weird because it's almost just like you're solving puzzles and it really punishes not solving puzzles perfectly
3: um, oh no <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm, I'm that guy you know when like you click the one thing and it turns one thing on and it turns the other thing off I, I just click it for 10 minutes until it, it falls into place rather than like sits there and thinks about it so that's not my style.
1: <laughs> like I, I'm normally fine doing those kinds of puzzles but the problem with um with this is that you have a certain number of attempts to do it, like a certain number of moves oh. you can do. your moves yep. get locked in once you've done them so you can't undo and you have a set amount of time. And yeah. that just becomes this whole like weird stressful thing. Whereas I think if they took out kind of the perfect puzzle solving and just made it so that you could op- optimize arrangements for for better uh, attacks depending on uh, the areas of, of the battlefield in which your attacks hit, um kind of like they do with the boss battles where there's not always like a perfect solution but some arrangements are better than others i think that would have actually worked better would uh, it made everything a little less stressful
2: it seems kind of odd to me because it seems can you turn that off is there a difficulty setting there at all um, or is it just
1: nope it's oh. all one difficulty i like it's a game that like it, it's kind of geared a little bit towards children and the, the way it's that's written. what i
2: was gonna say there, there's no way my kid would want to deal with that and i mean i always thought paper mm. mario not not being kiddy but you know i know like family friendly right? when you say that yeah but i mean i i would not have a second thought about buying a paper mario for my kid because typically it's some light rpg it's a little bit of stat management but it's not the kind of game where it's going to frustrate you i mean you, you could have at least the older Paper Mario's, I know you haven't played them, but they, they were not about that at all. They were much more about, like, you know, like a light RPG experience, basically. Um,
1: yeah, it's... it. The difficulty is just so out of whack. Mm. Um, like, spe- it starts off ultra, ultra difficult and then gets a lot easier and then kind of ramps up the difficulty from there. It's not... Honestly, like, I can see, like, teenagers... Being able to kind of deal with it, but if you're ten and under, it's not really like it's not really a great.
2: Yeah, it's odd. To like I mean, it it's them. just it just I'm sounds exactly. like a misstep. I think in some ways, I, I wish you could have played some of the older um, Paper Marios because in a way they're they're really fun games. But the the style of game that they are is is much more like it's it's a very accessible fun version of Mario that's kind of slowed down almost. And you, you replace the action with some, you know, kind of decisions in combat. Um, I don't know. It's it's a weird weird step to take the series in, I think. And it sounds like, at least from the reviews and things I've been hearing, that it's not one that is actually very popular with the fans. So
3: So is that is that in line with the – so I played the very first Paper Mario, and I don't remember almost anything about it, but I remember really enjoying it when I was a kid. Uh has, is that kind of in line with the rest of the Paper Mario series? Because it, it seems like people enjoyed the first couple of games and then haven't been as excited about the rest of yeah, the series. Yeah,
2: I think what's... My wife is a huge Paper Mario fan. Um, she's I've probably played all of them uh, at different times. And I think what each version has done is maybe added one feature that kind of took away from what Paper Mario kind of used to be, right? Mm-hmm. I think um I think the, the hallmark of the series is probably Thousand Year Door. I think that's the one that people tend to like most. Yeah. Um which was the GameCube one. That one was like your probably most, a lot of places game of the year level um, you know, game. Um since then, like every version has added one or two things on top of Paper Mario that have moved it uh, I don't know, kind of kind out of, out of, of the realm
1: of RPG and right. more to like a general kind of adventure title,
2: right? Um, uh, and they it, brought
1: back some of that for this game, but like in kind of a half-assed way, to be honest. And again, it's not like it, it's not like it makes it a bad game or an awful game. It's just it you you get the sense that they could have done it in a better or more fitting way. That's yeah like the, the general sense I get when I play it.
2: Yeah, and I I I think it's it's maybe Nintendo sometimes does this from my perspective um, is they sometimes I feel like struggle to find out what the maybe like the tone or the theme or the, just like little things about how the series fits into like the Nintendo universe right mm-hmm. so what makes yeah, like for Mario, Star
1: Fox is, is right. a pretty good example of this
2: yeah I I'm guessing if i had to guess like the probably the conversation is well what makes this different than you know a lot of the other marios we have going on what what is does what paper mario do differently and i think for some reason the, the answer they landed on was puzzles um and i'm not sure that that's what the audience would say if you said hey what makes paper mario different i don't think they'd say puzzles but i think that's kind of the answer for some reason that popped up when they started to internally say what do we do with this game um
1: yeah. Man. I think it's really been like the Mario and Luigi series which is now kind of on ice since Alpha Dream mm-hmm. went bankrupt. That was supposed to be their their RPG. Um, and then Paper Mario was going to be more like their their adventure title. Mm-hmm. But there's no new Mario and Luigi game, so yeah. Yeah, you know, they're kind of uh, deprived on that front. Um, and like some and like often Nintendo like gets the core of their game like really dead on. So like, you know, it's too, Super Mario Odyssey was not my favorite game of the year when it came out, but it was a really good game because it, at its core, understood what it wanted to be. And Origami King, it feels like it's being pulled in about three or four different directions, all of which are intriguing on their own, just all mixed together, don't make a lot of sense, unfortunately.
2: Gotcha, yeah. And I think that's pretty much in line with what most people have kind of been feeling on, on the game as well, so I don't think you're alone there.
1: Yeah, and like, this is not a game that make, makes me like super angry or a game that I'm yeah. just saying, don't play this, or a game where like, oh, this is really bad. No, it's okay. It's not like awful on the whole. It's just,
2: yeah, eh, I, been I think when you've been on the streak of hits that Nintendo has been on too, you know, you're bound to have that one that's a seven out of 10 and maybe just doesn't excite people as much, but it doesn't mean it's yeah. a bad game. It just means, you know, this one wasn't in that perfect wheelhouse that they've been on lately.
1: Yeah, if you want me to dump on a Nintendo game <laughs> earlier this year, I will <laughs> gladly tell you how awful Tokyo Mirage Sessions is. But um, on a more positive note, let's uh, kind of move on to the meat and potatoes of this episode, uh, where we're going to talk about streaming, which is a fun thing that we can all participate in, both as a streamer and as a viewer. Um, so I think kind of all of us have some experience uh, on both ends of this. Like, I've done some streaming, and I've also done a lot of watching of streaming. Um, uh, I'm curious what your kind of experiences with streaming have, have been.
2: Um, so, starting out for me, I was I was one of those people who said, why would anyone watch a video game get played? You know what I mean? <laughs> it, was just like, it was like something I just couldn't imagine doing it and my gateway to streaming honestly was Kip Boga Um, I don't know if anybody's watched or heard of him but um, he doesn't even play video games he'll do it every now and then when he's got something born but what he does is he's a scam baiter right so he'll bait people into playing uh, into talking to them trying to scam him out of money he plays a a bunch of different characters grandmas and you know uh, kind of like um, valley girls almost like you know different characters to kind of suck them into his world Um, and then he spends hours talking to them and wasting their time. Uh, and it's, it's hilarious stuff. That was kind of my first entry into streaming from there. I kind of got into the, the just chatting world of Twitch, um, which is kind of almost more like talk shows in some ways. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff out there. Um, people doing just incredible stuff with streaming technology. Sushi dragon is one that really kind of struck Mm -hmm. me early on, um, who's just, absolutely insane with what he can do with with the tech that's available um so that's that was kind of my gateway and from there i actually i went into watching a lot of um, gta rp was a big thing for me for a while um stream wise which is people playing just regular you know like gta heavily modded on uh, separate servers where they would role play as you know uh, a cop or a car thief or um, you know, one of the my favorite ones was someone who just literally role played as a receptionist at a hospital and it was just kind of like had that attitude, you know, just that attitude of like, oh, no, here you guys come again. Oh, you <laughs> used using cops, doing all this cool stuff, but just ruining my day with your drama, you know, um, things like that were what I really got into. And only then really did I start getting into the games. Um You know, and I think that I don't know if that's typical for how I got into streaming, at least, or how other people get into it. But for me, that's kind of where I went with it. Um, And in that kind of journey of of finding streaming, you know, you kind of find what does and doesn't work for you as a viewer. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know i i think there's a big pull at least on twitch i know we'll get into mixer and mixer a total different community honestly or was a totally different community honestly but at least on twitch you know you've got a lot of streamers who really just they sell they sell the entertainment experience more than even what the game they're playing is sometimes mm. you know they're sometimes called a variety streamer um but really they, they could play just them staring at a wall and that's really what you're there to watch right uh, it's just yeah, them you being watch them. their
1: reactions
2: right and in some ways that's a good stream but in some ways it can get really really annoying really quick if you're not just totally jibing with that personality um and that's kind of where i found myself pulling away from streaming for a little bit actually is because i was getting more into it. it's like well everybody seems to like this guy but i can't get into him because you know he dies playing this game where you're going to die a million times and it's, it's 15 minutes of rage you know and that's what the people were there for, but it wasn't really for me, you know, it was more, maybe something that I would imagine I would have been into as a 15 year old, you know? Um, so yeah, that kind of put I'm, me off for a while.
1: I'm super glad like Dr. Disrespect wasn't around when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Cause I would have been a little shit.
2: Yeah. Um, and yeah. gotten into
1: whatever the hell he was doing.
2: Um, um so, I mean, from there, you know, I found out that really kind of where I, I, I still like the uh the Let's Players. I still like a lot of the streamers that I started out with, the just chatting folks. But I found where I really kind of find my fit is in stream in, in Twitch at least it's kind of a derogatory term to call someone a sixty viewer Andy, right? Which means, you know, they're kind of in that middle pack. They're they're good enough to be partnered, but they're not really exploding. But you know what? That's kind of where I really enjoy watching streams right now you get to actually interact you feel like you're your what you type in chat is noticed rather than just you know a stream of emote spam like mm. in some of the other big ones um and it was a really good fit for me and that's kind of where i find myself you know spending most of my stream watching time these days um outside of you know like sushi dragon or kit who do have tons of viewers but they keep their community feeling very small um you know, some of the bigger ones that I watch don't really care. They just—they're there for the big numbers. Um, but that 60 viewer sweet spot I found is like kind of where I like to 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 live when it comes to watching people play games.
1: Interesting, yeah. Um, for me, my 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 journey is more like I I was I kind of was ignorant of Twitch until Twitch Plays Pokemon hit it big a few years ago,
0: <laughs> um,
1: and. You know, once once people started doing all these weird Twitch experiments, I, I kind of got into those. Um, then I was streaming some stuff myself for a while, um, and then I kind of got back into it when I started watching speedruns a little more often. Usually nowadays, I don't watch streams live. I usually watch like VODs of speedruns. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching people like perform at a super duper high level, it's it's almost this is gonna. It's a little bit of a weird analogy. It's almost like watching sports. Like, yeah, I can play soccer casually, but watching people like professionals play soccer is, is a lot of fun, right? Right. Um, that's that's kind of like what it is for me. Like, I'll beat a game, and then I'll watch somebody else beat that game in two hours. Right. And that's kind of where I'm at right now, is, is using it to watch people who can do stuff that I could never dream of doing.
3: Hmm. Uh, So for me, I I think I first got uh, introduced to streaming when um, I realized that I was not going to be able to play PT myself,
0: (laughs) Uh, that that
3: opportunity was denied to me. So I was like, shoot, how do I get the experience of playing PT without actually playing PT? Uh, So I found some streams of it and uh, watched the whole thing and loved every second of it and became incredibly bitter. Um, But that kind of introduced me to uh, streaming as a concept. I watched a little bit of horror streaming, um, but I admit I didn't really get into streaming until I was hired at Mixer. And uh, (laughs) so then I kind of uh, got integrated into the world that way. Um, Nowadays, when I watch streaming, it's usually uh, people I know personally, and I'll hang out in their stream for about an hour. Um, But to your point, Kathy, yeah, I think... 60, anywhere from 30 to 60 is a good uh, audience because that's just enough participation where uh, you feel like the streamer is kind of engaged with the audience, but it's also not, like you said, it's not just emoji spam and horrible jokes or like, you know, memes I don't even understand.
1: Yeah. 30 to 60 is like a good, like, sophomore college class size.
2: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, you know, I, I think. There, there's this weird i don't know I, like it's like a sliding scale of like interaction with the streamer versus hype right like right. it's not great to be in a, a five viewer stream most of the time because you f- almost feel like you're having to do like what do they call it? emotional labor almost like you're almost mm-hmm. having to pull like stuff out of the streamer because they're almost they're usually more engaged with the game or, or this or that so you're almost trying to pull it out of them and be like hey man talk to us we're sitting here you know right. whereas like 30 to 60 you're starting to get that 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 conversation going between you and the streamer and the game and things that are happening on screen and stuff. And it almost feels more like um you're watching a show than you're watching a friend play a game from the couch. Does does that make sense? I know there's some people who want exactly. that. Exactly. friend playing a game on the couch, but um finding that sweet spot was really hard for me because for a while it's like, well, obviously if they had 10,000 viewers they're better. But then I really kind of quickly learned, okay, 10,000 viewers is not where I want to be. Um and I think that, that most people who maybe first get into streaming by people who are into streaming, they probably say, hey, you know what? You, if you're going to watch anybody, watch Dr. Disrespect or – you know what I mean? Like one of those huge oh, streamers. No. You know? <laughs> um, but no, I mean that's – and if that's your yeah. initial introduction, like, what the hell is this? Why would I watch this all day? You know, And y- you don't make that connection. Versus if someone says, hey, you know, I follow this person who's, who's a pretty small streamer, follow this. And I, I feel like that's probably, for 90% of people I know, kind of of, of our age, I guess, if I want to put it that way, um, that's probably, I think, a better place to start is in some of those medium to smaller-sized communities.
1: Yeah, like, it'll help you kind of get your bearings, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of, I feel like... Um, I feel like watching the the bigger guys who are like deeply enmeshed in twitch culture it's it's a huge culture shock almost yeah oh, like right. you have all these memes flying around and emotes that I don't yeah, even understand
3: they have a hundred in jokes that you will never
1: exactly.
3: qu- quite get the same experience out of yeah it's like it's like tuning into a TV channel that's speaking in language you don't speak
2: yeah I so having played games you know specifically stuff like destiny with a lot of younger folks it's just the natural crowd that plays it you know um i mean i've had i've had those moments before i'm like what do you mean this was pog champ you know and it's literally how gamers that are that grew up with streaming talk you know what i mean there'll be something that happens in game as we're playing they'll say you know they'll say pog champ or they'll say uh w and i'm like you know what I mean? Like, what is this mean? You know, like, so you almost have to go like translate it, um, you know, and, and figure out. Okay, well, so PogChamp is like, oh, that was cool that that happened. It was hype. It was, it was, it was awesome. You know, um, you know, KekW is like, okay. That was kind of goofy, silly type stuff. So as you lean into like that culture, you start to figure out that it's not Some necessarily the what's syllables. happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's not actually what's happening in the picture even. That is what they're reacting to, the way that reaction is used on Twitch. And they literally will talk like that. I mean, have conversations like that. So the more you kind of enmesh yourself into that world, you start to realize that Kappa means one thing, you know, even though it's my, it's fucking frustrating. Cause I've been Kappa for, God knows, I don't know, 20 years now, long before Twitch even existed, you know? So
3: <laughs> I was, I, is Kappa a, a Twitch thing now?
2: No. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. It's, it's Kappa
1: is uh, like a, a big Twitch emote thing that yeah. I don't understand.
2: Yeah. So it, generally it's just kind of i don't know it's not even used consistently across different places so like kappa is kind of more like the uh like i'm being sarcastic emo like whatever uh, i just said but not really but sometimes really but also not you know what i mean so it's, it's like an, it's a troll emo yeah almost. yeah it's a troll gotcha emo.
3: um yeah at a, at a certain point it feels like twitch can sometimes especially in the big channels it's just like ten thousand people all talking to themselves.
2: Yes, exactly. You're you're, uh, you're right. And only recently has Twitch even made it even kind of able to have a conversation between viewers, right? So Twitch chat is almost directly oriented towards the streamer, right? Um, and then the streamer does or doesn't read stuff. And then every now and then, though people will have these little in conversations with each other. You used to have to have uh, basically a um, an add-in. BT TV is very popular. Almost everybody who watches a lot of Twitch has it. And it's how you talk to other people more or less, because otherwise in in a scrolling chat, it just gets missed. Mm. Um, So I've, I've found that that's kind of like the shortcut of like, Hey, if you want to talk to me, you at me and only recently has, has Twitch added an actual reply system um, for the conversations that are happening outside of what the streamer might be talking about. Um, Now that's kind of important. You think that would be something, you know, Put into the design, but I don't really think that maybe Twitch thought there would be much of that conversation viewer to viewer. I think they designed it more hey, they're going to want to talk to the, uh, the streamer. Who cares if they want to talk to each other? But I found that the way the community works, you know, especially some of the smaller streams, um, I, I found that that to be a real thing it is how, how people talk to and build their community around eat at people talking to each other. Um, whether they facilitate that or not. Um, one of the things I've noticed with a lot of streamers too, this is really like kind of like there's been a lot of um, psychological talk lately on, on Twitch about how being a streamer and creating content and managing communities and all this stuff like runs you down, takes a lot out of you. There's some very high profile suicides and stuff like that um, in the community. Um, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things I've noticed early on is you've really – there's kind of this curve, right? When you're growing, and like the stuff that you're, you'll have to kind of almost put up with in your channel,
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah. the
2: way people talk, and because you see them as a viewer, and Twitch really pushes viewers. That's that's your metric, that leads to you getting partnership. That makes this basically a job rather than something you do for fun, right? Um, and I've been a mod for a lot of 20, 30 viewers, people who are pushing for that partnership number, right? Um, So, when you're talking about building the community, it's really easy to say, well, you know, I'm not going to let people come into my community and say this or that, right? It's really easy to say that. But then you start to notice, hey, I got five viewers and two of them are being jerks. What do I do, right? And so that's kind of where the feedback between the the streamer, the mod, and the community really starts to to become an issue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, I've noticed that that's kind of like when you're talking about the streams that you're watching, the streams that you're viewing, understand that if you're going and watching a smaller streamer, that the fact that they're letting people or people seem to be kind of out of line and the streamer's not doing something about it, you know, we've got strong moderation on the avocado. All of us are used to stuff that would one hundred percent not fly in Twitch chat would get you banned where where we all hang out, right? Yeah. But just because the streamer is allowing that, I would tell people be cautious because that's not really the same as condoning it i know we would say yes it is but it's a different world it's a different community you've almost got to at least to get your foot in the door to build the community at least you know let some of that stuff maybe fly a little bit more um yeah unfortunately yeah
3: ultimately ultimately sorry go ahead uh, ultimately that's why i never streamed is because i just (laughs) i have zero desire to kind of entertain that world of right toxicity that you kind of just have to have as a matter of fact
2: yeah I think that's a really good way to put it you almost have to have it at first Um, you know and I think once you get bigger you can kind of say look guys this doesn't fly in my chat I know this is how people talk everywhere else on this website but it's not how you talk here and I've I've seen small streamers do that don't get me wrong but it's hard until you can find that voice you know or or, you know exactly decide you know this is how I'm going to be as a streamer a lot of times, it's just people like, hey, I, I have fun playing this game, and it'd be more fun if I had more people to play it with. Mm. Um, so, I, you know, sometimes I'll post... I like to post, you know, hey, check this stream out in the OT. I don't want people to go in there and see that the chat is, you know, at least somewhat, you know, to our standards, being a little bit of, you know, toxic and assume that that's what the streamer is like or about or that's who they are. Um, streamers are weird with how they interact with chat, even. Sometimes they just don't notice it, you know? They don't see yeah. it, it. And then... The other thing is sometimes
1: I've oh, like is, even as a even as a viewer, I right. ignore chat almost entirely.
2: Yeah, especially like I'm like a game's done quick type stream or something like where the chat really is adding nothing, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, they made they made GDQ subscribers only
2: now, yeah. so it's yeah, cut got, down
1: a yeah. lot on the crap in in chat.
2: Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I would say even past all that, um, you know, understand that like that streamers tend to see the negative stuff. Right, so if, if – I, I don't know what – there's probably some kind of you know theory about how this works, but I could type 50 positive things in a streamer's chat, and then the time I say, hey, you're a little little quiet, that's the one that they notice. You know what I mean? And it becomes something they kind of like almost fixate on, right? Well,
3: and that's, um, that's human nature, too. Right.
2: Yeah, so I mean it's not like, hey, you're doing great in this section. So they almost always notice that. So be careful when you're going into a stream and kind of like correcting or you know trying to, to interact with that. Way I would say in some ways, but most streamers, I think they, they tend to try to figure out, um, you know, how the stream, the mechanics of it work too. Um, but that's sometimes a a point of, a point of contention or a a point of pain, I guess, for them in some ways. Um, but yeah, Yeah. I, I, I think getting into streaming, it it doesn't need to be as daunting as it is. It can be kind of, kind of annoying in some ways at first, and you kind of almost got to push through it until you find the content. Um, so I, I would guess just like movies or anything else you know you've got to find that director or that you know but with, with streaming I think you're presented with so many options and it's not like popularity is a shortcut to quality um, is, is I guess the one thing I would really say as far as what I would I would tell people just getting into it
1: yeah it's, it's, all, it's hard to know what you'll enjoy until you start exploring mm-hmm. um, like for me I don't uh, get a lot out of watching you know, a regular person just kind of play through a game. Um, it either has to be kind of, it either has to be like something that that like kind of breaks the game in a fun way, or games that are almost kind of made for streaming. Like Fall Guys right now right. is huge. I'm sure it's blowing up on Twitch right now. Um, that's something that I kind of enjoy being watched streamed because that's something where you can where the streamers' reactions to it kind of enhance the experience. Um, but other stuff where they're like shrieking over, I don't
2: know, um,
1: well, like Bioshock, it, who cares,
2: right? Right. I I, I I totally understand what you're saying. I So getting maybe a little bit into mixer specifically, but I feel like there's always like this like, I don't know, this skill set that a streamer has to have, right? Like either you're insanely good at the game Right. Yeah. Or you've got a great personality. And when you can get somebody who kind of even has a little bit of overlap there. Right. You know, I think that's when you start to step into your Dr. Disrespects, your ninjas, your your big stre- household named streamers is what I'd say, you know, because they're good at the game and they've got the personality. And that's that's kind of like the holy grail for streamers. Right. I've watched people who are insanely good at Valorant, for example. They, they just can't miss. They get all those headshots. They're they're, they're that good, but they are they put you to sleep watching them right or on the other end you know i got that guy who's cracking 50 jokes a second but like he's dying to the uh you know the intra boss and bioshock i I can't watch that you know what i mean you've got to have that balance of of skill and personality um and i I think that that's what a lot of people initially kind of need to focus on as a streamer and then as a viewer is find find what mix of that works for you
1: yeah absolutely and um like you said, getting getting kind of into um, into Mixer and how that that kind of differed from Twitch. Um, one thing that that Mixer uh, had that kind of set it set it apart from Twitch was how it did audience interaction. Yeah, was a, a little bit different um, from from Twitch, at least in my experience. I don't have super much in, uh, experience with Mixer. I've watched. A few streams on there a few times while the service was still running. Uh, but one thing that that struck me was, was how, I guess, much more civil it was.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a way. It, yeah, it's not even close. The communities there were were uh, ten thousand times better than your average Twitch stream. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of what I said about tolerating that stuff, it goes out the door when it comes to Mixer. Um, I don't know. I like. I, I don't want to. Um, Admirax on the spot here, but like for me, I think that Mixer technologically was superior to Twitch in every way. I think community-wise, Mixer was better in every way, and it's just one of those things where it's just the culture, for whatever reason, was was all on Twitch. Um, and that I think first it,
1: mover advantage is, is a big deal, it's huge
2: business, huge. I mean, yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and I mean, it's always been frustrating, or not frustrating, but you know, it's, it's been one of those things where like I've seen it just like you know, it's interesting to me from a standpoint of how did it go wrong? Because, um, even people who like were Twitch diehards when they saw how like the mixer latency, for example, they were blown away. It was like, how can it be this, this good? Um, you know, because you're used to that five to three to five second delay on Twitch. Right. Yeah. Um, little things like started to pop up and it was just like the, the technological part of it. And then the community part of it was very wholesome. And I, I've got – you know, we all talk about gamer culture, this and gamer culture, that. But I think in a weird way that that wholesomeness or, like, that was almost what pushed people away from Mixer, like, sadly. Like, I don't mean that as, like, that that should have been that way. But I think what happened is they went in there and they, like, everybody was being nice. Everybody was goofing. There wasn't that, like, weird negativity um, that you see in a lot of, like, popular Twitch streams. I think people took that as, like, oh, this is the streams for the goody-goodies. You know, like almost like how people are like Nintendo's for the kiddies. Um, I kind of took away that like people didn't know what to do with a positive community, so their reaction was to think that it was bad for some reason. Um, I
1: think, yeah, when you see that stuff, you think of it as not like mature. You think of it as, as wimpy. Right. Um,
2: yeah, th- this is where the kids stream, you know, or, or something like that. Um, um, and the technology there was just very comprehensive. It was it was driving people to the site, I think, because a lot of people just couldn't believe it. Um, And then what I started to notice from people is who would go over to Mixer and watch it was, in a weird way, they were saying that the community wasn't for them because it was too nice. It was too welcoming. It was too however you want to describe it. I'm serious. That's disturbing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because so many people just kind of want an outlet for their nonsense. Right. And a lot of people see, like, they see really toxic places is almost a way a place where they kind of toughen up right and if you can't deal with it then you're a wimp right that whole nonsense
2: i think that's a good way to put it is i think the kind of maybe the mentality was well i i need a place where i can be myself because i'm i'm too unique or i'm too this or i'm too that and mixer isn't the place um I, i think maybe similar to how people reacted to maybe like early nintendo you know, where it, hey, this is for kids. This isn't for me. I'm I'm a shooter fan, you know, or whatever. And then they push themselves away. Um, I maybe saw some of that go on with the people I would talk to about mixers. Like, oh, that that place is for kids. That's all I know about it. I haven't actually even watched anything over there, but it's for kids. I, I that's what I've heard. Um, I mean,
3: I guess I guess to play devil's advocate, and I don't like to do that a lot, but um, I can see there being a certain lack of appeal if. Um, you know, you, you feel like at a certain point you're not going to be allowed to swear or mm-hmm. what have you. But um, having modded several Mixer chats myself, <laughs> um, we let a lot slide in certain instances. And, and I saw some pretty hideous shit that got deleted, at least yeah. from our, our main channel chat. So. And,
2: and <laughs> as a viewer, I, I appreciated that. Like, I was on the other end of that. I was like... I would much rather not have to deal and read with all that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess it depends on where your personality is as a gamer, right? If, mm-hmm. if what you value as a gamer is the ability to say, you know, things that are socially unacceptable anywhere else, but it flies because you're gaming, then yeah maybe that is but that makes you a bad person it <laughs> you know, doesn't yeah. have anything to do with Mixer versus Twitch so I, I saw a lot of the people I thought who were probably more toxic not want to even look at Mixer because they thought that it wouldn't allow that and I was like good that that's yeah. how it's supposed to be
1: that comes um, down to kind of the moderation right if yeah. you have moderation that's that's um you know a little that creates a, a friendlier community you're going to attract people who want that friendlier community and I think mm-hmm. people should want it. Um, I, you know, a community yeah. where we're not bigoted or being jerks, that I, like, I don't think that's a kiddie community. I think that's just, you know, a nice place to be. But for some people, that's, you know, uh, baby fun times.
2: Yeah, and I, th- I think if you laid out kind of like the pros and cons between it, I think you'd be hard, hard-pressed to say that community-wise and tech-wise, Mixer wasn't better. And I know First Adopter, you know, or First uh, being in the first space helped twitch a ton but i don't i don't know why the the at least the migration of some of the bigger name streamers never really happened until they were paid to do so um so so
1: actually you did (coughs) mention the tech and that's something i kind of wanted to get into um which is like this this low latency tech kind of facilitated interaction that you couldn't easily do Um, on Twitch, which is like real-time effects that happen in game and stuff like that. Um, So I'm actually curious, and I don't know if if, uh, IronRocks or anyone can speak to this, which is, was it kind of like, here's this tech, and now we can, what kind of audience interaction can we build around it? Or was it like the kind of audience interaction that people wanted that, that fueled them to create, like fueled Beam to create the tech?
3: Um, Yeah, I guess I can't speak to that as I I joined Mixer uh, long after it was Mixer and uh, wasn't around for the beam time. Days (laughs) before
1: the Microsoft acquisition, yeah.
3: Right. Um, But I I think part of the appeal was uh, the interaction with the streamer uh, just as a more uh, kind of real-time thing. Like, I I remember that being the focus of a lot of our commercials and ad bumpers was... um, being able to talk to the streamer and react to them winning or dying or what have you in real time and kind of feeling more like you were a part of the experience rather than watching the streamer and then reacting, you know, 30 seconds later. And, you know, that being, that being it might as well be a couple of years later in internet time.
2: Because what happens frequently, this still happens on Twitch, Twitch has gotten better latency was, but this still happens. But for an example, let's say, um, you know, the stream you're watching is playing, I don't know, Mario and they fall and die and you go, oh, no, too bad or something like that. <clears throat> but then they go and then the next 30 seconds they load back in and then they do it correctly. And then they see your message. Oh, no. And it's like, what do you mean? Like, I, I just did this. And it leads to right. this weird like dialogue sometimes between streamers and the audience where it's like almost looks like you're gloating that they died or right. that you're, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not even joking. This happens probably 50 times a day on Twitch in a stream where it's just that little bit of 10 to 30 second latency between what you type and when they read it makes it look like you're being a jerk, right? To, right. to the streamer. But if you're not, you're literally just reacting to what just happened, but they're not seeing it until uh, a minute later. So um, that was a huge selling point for me because seeing it in action, especially when, like Mixer was kind of in its infancy. I was like, this is—it was mind blowing <clears throat> being able to react to something that just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I think that. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I, think that a lot of times when you're looking at getting into streaming or looking into streaming, I think the successes that Mixer had early on, um, were all in that kind of like space of like tech. Um, and that it drove a lot of people to. To, to the service that were interested in that side of it. But mm-hmm. maybe maybe in a weird way, maybe not some of the outgoing personalities in in other ways. Um, yeah. It was um, maybe more that, that person who's really good at the game and speed running and less the person who can make a ton of jokes while they're playing, you know, uh, the equivalent of a B-movie of a game.
3: Yeah. Yeah. and And I think the some of the wish and hope for the technology was that, uh, people could interact with the game itself. Like I know, I know there are a handful of games where you could do that, where you could, um, Oh, I've forgotten what it's called, but it was, it was kind of like stated a cave, but with aliens Mm
0: -hmm. and
3: you could send, uh, the players like health packs or you could spawn an alien to screw them over if you had a certain (laughs) amount of sparks. Um, and that was really fun, but I feel like, that technology wasn't really around long enough for game creators to become integrated. interested in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. or integrated at all. And and I think while that technology was really cool and could have gone in a really neat direction, it, it had such a brief lifespan that I, I don't know if we're going to see that again for a little while.
2: Yeah, we're yeah. only starting to get those games that are like, you either get that game that's just focused just for streaming, you know, mm-hmm. or you get the game that just, it kind of does that, but not really. But the idea of being able to drop that stuff in game was, was a, was an intriguing one. I thought it was really neat. Um, I right, think like
1: being able to vote on what happens next and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that's something that Twitch unfortunately doesn't do super well without a lot of hacking kind of on the back end. uh, which, you know, people have done, they've made Twitch plays Pokemon, right? Um, and Twitch being oh, like having those kinds of APIs available makes that possible, but it's not like an accessible thing.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's done through box or through chat or through this or through that. It's not, it's not all just, you know, clicking on this and it's in the game, um, like mixer had. So, mm. um, yeah. I, I, so I, you know, let me talk a little bit. I, I tried to stream, I streamed a little bit on Twitch, and a little bit on mixer to pretty much just my wife and, you know, two or three other friends. But, um, You know, I think early on, no matter how you were looking at it, it seemed like Microsoft was going to be in this for the long haul, um, which I think was why shutting Mixer down was so surprising, especially after acquiring what I would honestly consider probably two of the best options for streaming uh, with Shroud and Ninja. If you had asked me at that time, hey, you can get two – you can start a new streaming service with two streamers who you got, it Mm -hmm. would probably be those two, honestly. I mean – I don't know exactly where the conversation went, you know, internally, um, obviously, but I I think it was the right call to get those guys in there because Shroud is unnaturally good at literally every game he tries, whatever FPS is going to be out. He's going to be in that top tier of players, you know, maybe just outside of like tournament level, but at a level where he's doing stuff that I can't do. So I'm going to watch, um, ninja playing the most popular game in the world at a very high level with a cool personality a lot of fans a lot of kids that are into them you know all that kind of stuff I, I don't think that a lot of people are saying I think that that was the downfall they paid them too much but I don't really know if that's a if that's a reason um, but, well I
3: guess I, I have I have two responses to that and I think one is Microsoft is never afraid to cut <laughs> Yeah. Cut a program or cut a project that they feel they're not getting a good investment on, like Windows Phone, the Zune. Um, oh,
2: the Zune still breaks my heart, honestly. I know. And,
3: and <laughs> honestly, you're not the first person I've heard say that. Like, people loved the Zune. So I'm not sh- – like, I guess Microsoft just has an eye for, you know, trimming the fat and being as lean as yeah. possible. Um, so I think there's that aspect that that's just the company culture – good or bad, that's what they do. They cut stuff. Um, and then I guess to the other point, I can't really speak to Shroud as I didn't know a ton about him, but Ninja, I want to say, they got him kind of at the exact wrong time.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I think because he, he was peaking kind of right when they acquired him. And I, and I think people were starting to move on from him especially since he had so much controversy regarding especially sexism and i remember the reaction at mixer like we were talking about mixer trying to be a more positive space their reaction to acquiring ninja specifically when he was coming off of a lot of controversy uh that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way
2: yeah i i think the other part of it too was he was primarily known as a Fortnite streamer and mm-hmm. Fortnite itself i think had been you know the, the halcyon days of Fortnite being the only thing people watch were slowly fading as mm-hmm. well um at the same time i think that people were still into Fortnite, but not in the way that they had been where it was literally you know logging and watch Fortnite all day uh, mm-hmm. my kid still is very much there so <laughs> in my house that might not be true but um you started to kind of see that shift away from Fortnite, in fact into what i would call kind of like your classic style shooters um you know more towards uh like valorant and uh all those other games right now that are kind of just your you know you're not your battle royale shooters mm-hmm. um but it, it's hard because i i think at least with him he made his name in a way and i think he I see this a lot in football. Right. We would we, we call it, you know, like you made you made your name. Now you're going to just go for that big contract and then cash out. And I kind of felt like that was his his plan. You know, is hey, oh, yeah. I put my dues in. I, I grew my channel. I did all this. You're not buying you're buying what I've already built, basically, in a weird right. way.
3: Um, right. Nobody you know, my, nobody made out better than the ninja in that. whole Right. Deal.
2: Yeah. But I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to say, like, was that a, a good idea or a bad idea? Um,
3: yeah, I, it's easy to
1: say a decision's, you know, good or bad with the benefit of hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, going in, um, it, just reading a headline on, on Kotaku or whatever, where it says, you know, Mixer has acquired Ninja, I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's a huge deal. Right. I'm not thinking about, like, the trends in Ninja's viewership.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that I think the plan there was all along. I think that it was going to be that Ninja was going to see a dip. I'm imagining, you know, from people who just didn't make the transition, that's natural, but then he was going to grow. And with him, Mixer was going to grow, right. It was going to be, and then one of the great things Mixer has that we hadn't talked about yet was there's a, was a hype train, right. Or something like that, where Ninja being on the platform, getting more views would also kind of, you know, a high tide raises all boats type effect where, they're getting views to all these other Mixer streamers who are, you know, maybe a little bit smaller but are looking for the viewer base, but it's putting mm-hmm. views on them as well. Um, if you're getting more Fortnite viewers, you've got the Hype Train bringing more views to the people. Hype Train was this system on Mixer where if you were like in the last 10 um, on Fortnite or the final hype, circle, Hype Zone. Hype Zone, that's it. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, if So if you were about basically to win a Fortnite game, or I think they added it to maybe like Rainbow Six Siege and maybe a couple other competitive type I, I games. Think they,
3: I think they had it in PUBG and I want to say Apex Legends too.
2: That sounds right. Oh, nice. yes yeah. So what it would do is it would bring viewers to your channel, whether you had five people or ten people. So you would be watching the hype zone thing, and then if you were in the final ten, boom, all of a sudden you got 500 viewers watching you fight in that final like last 10 minutes of the game um it's very similar to the uh nfl red zone idea i don't know but but the idea of being like hey i'm only showing you the action right Mm. um so the idea is if hey if i'm watching ninja play here and also i'm watching Fortnite stream here now all of a sudden i'm getting all these viewers being brought in here um i I don't know i think the the plan was a solid one and it's hard for me to figure out how it all fell apart you know but I would guess it probably has something to do with the fact that they just weren't getting the return on investment type thing or, you know, those whole cold, hard numbers weren't there, um, that the plan just wasn't working, wasn't in effect the way they expected it to be. Um, but I really I think I think they had it designed around not just necessarily to grow Ninja, but to grow everybody on the on the service, which was which was a pretty smart idea overall.
3: Yeah, I think I think uh, the bet was certainly that people would kind of trickle out from Ninja to other viewers or to other streamers. Um, but I don't even know if that was true on Twitch. Like, no, would, it wasn't. would people would people watch Ninja and then once uh, he was done, go to some other person? So or? The,
1: yeah, Ninja I, would host a lot of people. Yeah, that's one thing he was actually well known for was hosting a lot of other streamers. That kind of. I wouldn't say gave them necessarily their big break, but certainly boosted their viewership. Um, now, was he bringing people onto the platform as a whole, or was he just kind of redirecting his viewers to some other streamers? I think it's probably more the latter. Um, yeah, he basically but, yeah.
2: grew four or five friends, is how I would put it. You know, you mm. saw Tim Patman kind of make his rise around the same time. Doctor Lupo, who kind of has has had typical ups and downs, but he he had probably his best times when he was hanging out with, with Ninja. So kind of, you know, yeah, I don't think he was, he would occasionally host, you know, a hundred viewer guy who was just, you know, trying to make it, make ends meet, but he was, you know, a Fortnite guy, but very rarely did you see him kind of do anything community focused. It was more kind of like, Hey, here's the people I play with, which is why during the whole thing, I don't stream with uh, women streamers was, was kind of a, uh, you know, <laughs> a dramatic moment, but you know, uh, I, I, it's hard to tell with him because I think he in some ways was very much in uncharted territory for a streamer that big. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it was easier for Dr. Disrespect, who was probably the only other one who really approached those highs because with him, he was, he's a persona, you know, he's something that we're familiar oh, with in I wrestling. I suspect
1: that a lot of that is his actual personality. Yeah,
2: it, it, could be. <laughs> it could be, but I, but I mean, he can hide his bad manners or his bad, bad gameplay or whatever, you know, behind, Hey, that's just who the character is. Whereas with Ninja, he was who he was. And I would say ma- majority of the time he was a, a kid friendly, you know, guy, but he'd have his, his moments, you know, and it would, it would pull it back, you know, and you start to see, okay, wow. You know, that's not exactly what I would call kid friendly, but um, what was he the right guy for mixer? I don't know. I, I, I probably not because I think mixers community, like we were maybe talking about is a little bit, a little bit less rough around the edges than what Twitch was, you know? And I think they yeah. were a little bit less tolerant for some of those moments where he would, you know, rage on somebody who killed them. Um, yeah. Where I think that was kind of accepted as part of, you know, hey, okay, he had gaming moment on Twitch, um, had a little bit of a different feel on Mixer.
3: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I mean, I, don't I think, think... Sorry, go ahead. I think Mixer was simultaneously maybe too kid-friendly and a little too adult. Like, I think...
2: The most frustrating thing I had during Mixer's time – you, maybe you can answer this. I don't think this is too – but, like, I remember people being very big about not saying your age. Like, it was a very big, like, deal yeah. not to <laughs> ever say your age. And I was, it was confusing to me, like, as a viewer, because I remember, like – I don't know how to describe it. Like, someone was playing, and, like, somebody was like, oh, yeah, I've been trying to play this game. I've been playing this game for about a year, ever since I was 12. And, and they'd be like, ah! Like, the stream would stop. And they'd be like – they, like, delete the comment, and, like, it was jarring as a viewer, and I'm sure there was some kind of rule about it or something, but, like, it was, yeah, I always I, remember <laughs> that being a thing.
3: <laughs> I, I remember there was a rule that, um, you know, obviously you couldn't be watching, quote unquote, if you were under the age of 13, and I think that yeah. morphed somehow into some weird, like, taboo, like, about you mention mentioning your at age, all? like, even a little bit.
2: Yeah. It, it, was, it was very... Because... Mixer had a a rating system almost for their streams,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and it was like I think there was like a hey this is a designed to be eighteen stream. There was a uh, like G rated stream, and I remember watching some streamers. They're like, hey, we're about to be in like I think it was like if you were featured on the front page of Xbox, like when you log in, like the tab, uh, you had to be kid friendly during that. Yeah, time. you
3: you couldn't be. I want to say there's three different levels. There's like uh, the kid-friendly, uh, the kind of like, I don't know, PG-13 version, and the 18 and over. And yeah, you would absolutely not be featured on the first page if you were 18 and over, uh, because by default, if you were if you were watching and you hadn't signed up for a Mixer account, they just assumed you were under 18.
2: Right, right. I think oh, what they
3: legally have to do.
2: Yeah, so it would kind of drive this weird scenario where you'd be watching a streamer and all of a sudden he'd be like, okay, hey guys, I'm about to be on the homepage. Uh, And like chat would basically have to be like super moderated. Mm -hmm. uh, And like everybody had to be on their best behaviors. And it was kind of jarring as a viewer. So, you know, like, you know, I'm not saying like I'm in there, you know, slinging out, you know, F-bombs or anything, but like, you know, it would be like the occasional shit or damn or whatever, you know. And it was like all of a sudden the stream kind of flipped the switch uh, when that front page feature happened
1: um you know what it kind of reminds me of like you know in like a like an 80s comedy where they're all like having a party like a house party and the parents come home yeah. and then like everyone hides
2: yeah. you know, like the record scratch and it's like yeah oh no yeah yeah
3: gotta gotta hide all the soda and <laughs>
2: yeah i'm making it sound soda. worse than it really like the like... jazz sticks
3: but no i i think i think it was it was a little bit of a weird self hamstring thing because uh, you also couldn't have any games that were rated M.
2: Right. Exactly. And and I remember like, I'd be watching a guy play, uh, you know, a, a game for a while and he's like, okay, I got to switch over to, you know, uh, rocket league for the next hour. Cause we're going to be on the front page. And it was like, all right, man, you know, I'm not watching rocket league, but you know, so um, there was a little bit of that feeling to it. And I, I think maybe that was one of the things like I was talking about, that kind of drove that kiddie feel. Cause Mm -hmm. I remember, um, watch just the age thing was just boggling because I would watch it a lot with my son. Um, and we watched two or three streamers kind of, uh, regularly, you know? Um, and like something would just come up, you know, and my kid would be like, you know, just, just somehow casually, like you could interpret his age that he was a kid, you know? And I just remember, I remember one time he got his, he got like a, the equivalent of like a warning, like he got his chat deleted. And they said don't post about your age again. He was like dejected, like he didn't want to watch the stream ever again, basically, Aww. you know, you know. And like I, I, explained to him, I was like, look, it's not that. It's just a rule, you know. You didn't do anything wrong, you know, stuff like that. But I'm like, you know, what if every kid was watching this not with his dad, and it's just like, man, maybe this streamer doesn't like me, you no, know, because kids take different <laughs> messages, you know, from yeah. from yeah. stuff yeah. like that. So, um. I just remember that kind of being very vivid and like that whole like age thing to me was just it was just weird. Um, but talking about how, you know, maybe it does or doesn't feed into, um, you know, the, the perception as a Twitch community. I can imagine if you were watching, um, you know, now don't get me wrong. Twitch Twitch streamers do that occasionally, too. Right. They'll do a sponsored stream when all of a sudden it's like, OK, well, hey, you know. I'm not doing don't criticize
1: Mountain Dew today.
2: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Hey, for the next 20 minutes, we're going to act like we all really love, uh, you know, Mountain Dew. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've seen that before, but I would say this, you know, like I get it and I think it feeds into the, um, you know, the idea of like Mixer kind of being a better community. But like anywhere else, I'm sure there's people who come to the avocado and they're like, oh, I can't I can't be myself here. I can't talk about the stuff I talk about on Reddit here. I think that there was some of that. Uh, And I think that in general, we've built a community that we like and it's small, but I think that mixer built a community that they liked and it was small and it was kind of going to be that way unless they open themselves up more to, I don't want to say embrace, but to at least allow some of the shittiness that kind of encapsulates Twitch viewers uh, or the community in general. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I remember us being really big on like pride month and black history Mm -hmm. month and that kind of thing, and, and trying to be super inclusive. Like, for instance, Xbox still has uh, a wing called Gaming for Everyone, which is you know their their inclusivity branch, which does a lot of great things, especially with um, uh, physically uh, differently able folks. Um, uh, it
2: it showed too. Just even as a, yeah. as a casual viewer, it showed because I always remember. I actually remember thinking, this isn't something I'm making up. I remember thinking, man, there is a lot of women streamers being featured on the front page yes. of, of Mixer. I mean, like, and it was consistent. It wasn't like, you know, hey, guys, it's women Streamer Month, so we're going to do this for a month and then pretend they don't exist. Um, a lot of the streamers I ended up watching on Mixer were women, um, just kind of because that that seemed to be in some ways who got the attention. But also in other ways, it seemed like there was – a lot more maybe because of the community being more friendly that we got that we keep talking about um, it seemed like there was a lot more just in general their streaming uh, that yeah. that I noticed And um, there
3: wasn't there wasn't at least not that I noticed and obviously I probably didn't explore this very much but there wasn't a ton of like e-girl kind of stuff that I noticed yeah. not that there's not that there's anything wrong with that but... <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up <laughs>
2: <laughs> It's a touchy subject for guys to talk about but yeah, yeah. Like um, yeah, you know. there
3: was there was some like women who were just you know being just normal uh, game playing people and who would who would play and and I I really appreciated that as a woman myself I, yeah. I really appreciated the kind of <laughs> uh, acceptance like that, normalizing uh, it right. women don't only just play Candy Crush
1: right
2: right and that's what yeah because I mean I that
1: remember... whole E three tweeting that article that happened recently that was not great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I it, it what you're saying too, it showed up as as just a viewer. Like you notice like okay, hey, they're featuring a lot of streamers, um a lot of different streamers, a lot of people playing different stuff, which sounds not as important, but it is. I mean, you know, I can only watch so much Fortnite in a given day. Um so I think that was that was kind of like a conscious move that that really did show, but um it, it's it's hard and- because
3: And I will say on the other hand, so uh, just to give a little bit of context about what I did for Mixer, I was on the original programming team. So we did uh, like news style or talk talk show kind of style shows. Um, We were based out of actual Microsoft campus and kind of some of the Xbox buildings. um, And we had uh, several women hosts of different shows. And uh, there was some pretty heinous commenting going on in, in the chat so even even a place like mixer Oof, yeah. was uh was still getting a lot of that kind of um toxicity. you know but, I, I think you
2: know I, and twitch they call them drive-bys right somebody who just comes in just to say something shitty and then get banned right oh, um, yeah. there was a for, for as good as the community was there was a fair amount of that on mixer and i think it was because everybody who had an xbox had exactly. Mixer on their homepage, <laughs> you know um so you're like, having a I shitty day or a shitty game. You just want to go in and just talk some shit. Mixer made that kind of easy, weirdly. I yeah. don't
1: understand going through the effort of typing out a comment with a controller just to be mean. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you well, we noticed, we noticed a huge spike, like, um, during spring break or during the summer of drive-by comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously it's, uh. like, people, you know, letting their uh, – Teenage kids play Xbox without really watching what they're doing, and, and teenagers are going to kind of explore the boundaries of decency as yeah. they want to do. And,
2: and there was a lot of that, unfortunately, I think, on a lot of the stuff that I watched that you were doing, the drive-bys, because it was like, in a way, it's like they're sticking up to the man. You know what I mean? Like, this is Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, but like, you're. You already bought the Xbox, you know, right. <laughs> like you, you lost your chance
3: yeah, to stick got it up. Yeah, your money.
2: Yeah, exactly. So all you're really doing is just annoying, you know, the 50 people who are watching. Um, but yeah, I, I, I noticed the drive-bys was something kind of early on that I thought was, was kind of more noticeable, I guess, um, on Mixer. But I think it was maybe just maybe more because of that reason. Everybody's got access to it. You didn't have to make an account. But I also thought it's kind of crazy because I remember there was a streamer I would watch who would be like, you know, your Microsoft account is what's linked to uh, Mixer. You mm-hmm. know, like the thing that you're playing Call of Duty on tonight, that's Do linked. you want to get like
1: <laughs> shut out of Xbox yeah.
2: Live? <laughs> I don't know how that worked. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of community standard type thing, but oh, um, we, had I just...
3: a, we had a huge mod team that I mm-hmm. they were pretty secretive. Actually, I didn't even know most of the details, of, but they were great. I, I knew the guy who was in charge of that whole team and he was phenomenal.
2: It's probably told you to stop having that oh, okay. that guy could show up and win all the contests. Uh... Yeah.
3: <laughs> you got to get rid of him.
2: Yeah, he's, he's draining us. Um, but yeah, uh, I I I don't know. I think what what I noticed most, more often on not the mixer was that the the tone, the the general streamers, everything, um, they were trying to be better than than Twitch um, as far as like how they raise their communities. But in a lot of ways, it's also they they had the benefit of learning a lot from some of the early Twitch mistakes that streamers might've made. So maybe that helped too. But I think maybe one of the other downfalls besides that age thing I was mentioning was I, I don't, I got, I'm going to be careful saying this because I spent a lot of time watching a lot of streams. I think generally they were good. I would just say that your average setup for your streamer on mixer was well below what your average setup for a Twitch streamer on mixer was. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm talking like in terms of like, having a camera um, mm-hmm. you know like just just like the actual technical aspects of the stream having seen transitions using OBS um, a lot of them were just doing the literal like click on my Xbox click stream now and that's what you're watching um, whereas there's there's production value in a lot of twitch streams you know um, and in a way that kind of shows when the average is so much lower um, it, it's it's not a good look and while hype zone was bringing me to your channel, it was pretty clear that you weren't ready to have 500 viewers here, you know? That's
3: Um, interesting.
1: uh, Yeah. For me, the the really interesting gulf is like on the Twitch homepage, you'll see super unpolished streamers on the mixer homepage. You would see mostly like polished streamers, but then you look at the averages across the sites, like going off the front page and that kind of changes the picture.
2: Yeah, there was a, a mixer stream. I wish I could remember his name. I got a bad memory for streamer names. Cause they all have goofy names. But there was a guy there who did. I mean, he would do like almost like a dance rave party, and he would have like 50 scene transitions. I mean, it was it was good stuff. I mean, it was good by by any standard, right? Um, and know, it, it was kind of like he what he was known for on Mixer was having these like elaborate scene changes and like these dances and stuff. And like he would like have like a height moment where he would like load his like BPMs from his heartbeat and like just like really like <laughs> elaborate stuff. Right. Um, and the thing was, it was, it was almost jarring to go from him then back to your average mixer streamer who wasn't doing, I mean, literally wasn't doing scene transitions, which is uh, at this point, it's a, it's an accepted thing on Twitch that if you're, you know, anything above 50, 60 viewers and partnered, you got scene transitions. It's just not all just me staring at your face. <laughs> As you play a game, you know mm.
1: this is such a weird like perspective for me. Um, like as somebody who primarily watches speedrunners, mm-hmm. who tend to be extremely low tech. Yeah. Like sometimes they don't. They don't even have a camera, or like they'll have a camera, but it's like an old, like a decade old, 480p, 20fps thing. <laughs> um, like that's that's my experience of, of like watching streaming, and. It's, it's such a different world from, like, the more polished streamers who have, like, the bigger personalities and are and playing more popular games um, that, like, I, I don't even think about, about scene transitions being, like, a thing. Like, I know some people do it. I just, you know, thinking of it as, as like, the thing that everyone does is so strange to me. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it, it, I guess it, it all comes down to um, what kind of content you're looking for. Right, and right. Like, if you're looking for that highly polished content, then maybe you'll find it in one location more easily versus another.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and then I remember at PAX – what was the last one? (laughs) Two years ago, I guess now. (laughs) Um, I remember Mixer had a booth, right? Yeah. Yep. And it was the first time I had the feeling with Mixer, at least, you know, with watching a lot of streams there and stuff. I was like, all right, we're trying to be big dogs now. Like, yeah. I really <laughs> had that feeling. where it's like, well, if Twitch has a booth and Facebook has a booth, we're going to have a booth. And the booth had, like, no concept, it, 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 like, kind of. And it was like you couldn't go in there. Only our streamers could. But we really didn't have swag and we really didn't have anything going on. On the other side, they had a cool contest, right, where mm-hmm. it was the hype zone And it was like a live version of that. And it was like a game Mm -hmm. show and stuff. But then there was the other side of it that was like, like a corral of streamers.
3: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like a
1: streamer zoo.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of was a streamer zoo. They had like these glass boxes where people were streaming from and you could just watch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like a streamer menagerie. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I remember walking up to it, and I was like, oh, I, hey, man, you know, I watch a lot of the Mixer streamers. I was like, what, what's kind of going on over there? And they're like, oh, this is where they sh- they're streaming from. I'm like, oh, cool, you know, like, can we like, talk to them? Are you feeding them, or them? Or <laughs> giving them water? <laughs> and I was like, so, so like, can we talk to them? And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, you just kind of. <laughs>
1: like, like, what? It's like a big don't disturb the anime No, like, exactly seriously,
2: like, you couldn't talk to them. And I was like, oh, man, that sucks, because uh, there was, like, one or two streamers there I really liked I wanted to talk to, you know. I thought it'd be cool to meet them. But it wasn't like a meet-and-greet thing. It was like a you, you watch and plan. I'm like, all right, well, I'm getting a little big for our britches here, guys. Um,
3: well, so I'll, I, I'll try and speak to that a little bit, and I, I might refrain from saying too much so as not to get myself in trouble as I still work for Xbox. This, but, um, yeah, I think that kind of speaks to what a big problem internally with Mixer was, and that is that one hand kind of didn't know what the other one was doing. Mm-hmm. So there was the the partner management side of things, and, and I'm not speaking ill of them. I, I'm friends with a lot of them. All the partner managers were really great. But there was kind of the partner management side and then like the front-facing mixer side, and they kind of just weren't jiving a lot of mm-hmm. the time. And uh, when I got laid off and when they brought on Ninja and Shroud, they were, they were going full force with partner. Like everything was partner-focused. It was all about partner streamers, and that's what they changed all the original programming to, as being highly, highly partner-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they kind of didn't manage to understand that the partners were people that the audience would want to still interact with. They weren't celebrities. They're not right. Kevin yeah. Bacon. They're, they're still human beings that, that people want to... People see them as their friends, you know? It's... Mm-hmm. It's the, the audience will want to chat with them and, then, you know, yeah, get to it know was, them.
2: It, it felt from a perspective of someone who was like, well, I kind of helped you grow your channel too. You know, like I had a part in this. I know I didn't do anything near what they did, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? But like, right. it was weird because you felt that more over at the Facebook booth on the, at, at the same packs, right? Where they were like, don't even come in here. Like literally, like you couldn't even come in there. And Twitch had this weird like lounge, but you could go in and meet streamers, but it was kind of not it was kind of more for the, the, the more famous of their streamers to just be seen almost like a red carpet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Mixer didn't need a red carpet. Mixer needed the opposite. Like, Hey, come in here yeah. and hang out with us. Yeah, not we, like, we,
3: yeah. We need it to be the scrappy kind of. Yeah.
2: Yeah. On the this is for kind of the people. people. This isn't for the, you know, the elite. This is for everybody. Come on in here and hang that, out. Um,
1: that's so weird to me because I literally hadn't heard of Facebook gaming. until late last year
2: wait till you saw their booth if you would have saw their booth you would have thought that they were like the industry leader like it was ridiculous
3: their their booth was like the size of warner brothers yes yeah yeah
2: i mean like there was like sony nintendo facebook gaming like in terms of size if i had to guess yeah um it it was yeah it was weird um but you know i'm
1: like they think oculus is is that big or something it wasn't even
3: that
2: so confused
3: I yeah,
2: don't even think little... it was focused on Oculus. Was it, it wasn't. It wasn't focused on anything.
1: <laughs> PAX, it's just okay. like a giant white F in yeah. the middle of nowhere. So
2: remember earlier when I said that I felt like PAX this year, I kind of like lost the focus in terms mm. of like focusing on, hey, this is where we let our fans play our games for companies, right? This PAX kind of was like, look at all these these other services that are outside of game developers, right? Facebook gaming and, and all these other ones, right? Um, PAX when I went two years ago, this is just kind of like a like a, a weird aside, right? I couldn't find a place to sit down, like really <laughs> sit down in a chair, like a human being would want to do, right? Um, and like, so like there would be various booths with various like gamer chairs and I would sit down and I'd be like, oh, cool. You know, I'm just going to sit down and rest. And people would be like, hey, man, these are like demo chairs. So like you can't really sit down in there for too long. And I'm like, are are you kidding me?
1: I would like the pack- chairs, the merch.
2: Yeah i went to a pack oh, like four or five oh. years ago and i literally had my then baby strapped to my front right like in one of those like baby bjorn i went through an entire packs with that and my back hated me for that right but like there'd be people like hey man hey it looks like you need to take a load off why don't you go sit you know hang out here for a little bit thanks man appreciate that this packs there was none of that i literally bought aorus products right for my recent pc build only be- because they were the only booth that let me sit down for as long as I wanted. So shout out to Ayoris. <laughs> they had these orange chairs. They were like they had a pretty big area and they were like I sat down and they're like, "Oh man, these are comfortable chairs." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I really like this chair." And I was like, "Hey man, the Nintendo booth is right next door. Uh, my wife and my friends are waiting in line for Nintendo. It's like a 2-hour line." my back's killing me i just want to sit down for a couple minutes like oh yeah man sure sit down take a take a load off sit as long as you like and i was like i'm gonna buy your guys stuff from here
3: on out. that's that's so (laughs) so funny because i didn't even think about that because i would between so i was um when i was working at pax i was running like interview crews so we were running all around the expo um with a bunch of cameras and audio gear and stuff um and we would just be kind of, like, squatting, like, by the mixer booth. Just, like, I'm sure we looked, like, so janky. Like, <laughs> we looked like hobos in mixer gear with all our junk.
2: It, it, but, I mean, really, like, how weird is it to be at a gaming convention you can't find a place to sit down? Do you know what I mean? And, and, yeah.
3: You're not, it, playing, it's not, a good you're not feeling. playing video games standing up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not an arcade. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> So I, I still think about that, and I and I remember just seeing like there was this feeling among the crowd, and it was like you have all these streaming booths doing nothing. I mean, they were ghost towns for the most part, mm-hmm. right? And it's like they took up all this floor space, and they wouldn't let you go in there in their little lounge area, and it felt very like I don't know, like some like 1984 I want to tear down the system type shit right <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I can't find a place to sit and you've got all this real estate where nobody's even using it um, you know for it's almost
1: like imposing a class structure exactly on a convention
2: exactly it's And the whole root of this particular convention was, hey, there's something else for all these people to go do, and it's called E3. This one's for us, right? That's the root of PAX. And now it's just like, yeah, I know we said all that shit initially, but look, Facebook needs 5,000 square feet of nothing to sit there and just have a giant blue F in the middle of the show floor. Facebook
1: needs its own, like, freaking McMansion.
3: (laughs) That's that's so funny, and that's something I hadn't even thought about, but – it did occur to me very briefly when I got to go to the, um, oh, God, I think they were advertising Wolfenstein, the new Colossus, uh, my very first pack that I was working at. And uh, we got to go in the back and we got to get the whole tour without waiting in line. And they gave us all these uh, strawberry milkshakes that they were giving away to people who went through the booth. And I was like, yeah, I got a strawberry milkshake. And <laughs> I didn't have to wait in line. And I'm being <laughs> paid to be here. This is awesome. <laughs>
2: Well, PAX has always been generous with their media badges, too. I bet you money that if we said, hey, we run a podcast, we could get PA- PAX media badges. So that's one thing I will say to their credit. But uh, the problem is I think other people have figured out that system in, in a way that it's like right now media is, is half of PAX. And it, oh, it God, feels yeah. weird. Um, I'm sure
3: you saw it. You must have seen, because I saw it, about 800 people walking around with like selfie sticks narrating
2: yeah. their
3: journey yeah. through the expo hall. <laughs>
2: It, it's really weird because it's it's a bad feeling when you've been waiting in line for two hours and you don't get your turn at the game because somebody with a media badge showed up and, you know, um, got, took your turn. Oh, and, yeah. Um,
3: I actually oh, yeah. The, I, tried, I tried not to look other human beings in the eye when I did <laughs> <laughs> I, I did the Enforcer thing. They you
1: weren't periscoping year. while you were doing it.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, I did the Enforcer thing one year, and I actually was like – the, the enforcer who shuttled around um, Blair Herder Morgan Webb, and I can't remember the other guy. Uh, he was kind of their goofier one, um, but back when G4 was a thing, you know, and I got them basically from panel to panel or from, you know, thing to thing just by knowing the convention floor kind of well. Um, and like, it was kind of, back then like they were legitimately media and there wasn't a lot of other media there at the time. So like, you know, people would get out of way out of their way when they would show up with the big camera. It was like, Oh cool. I got to meet, you know, Morgan Webb because at least she was a personality, you know? Um, But it doesn't have that same feeling sometimes when PAX did this thing this year where it was, there was content creator badges, right? So like some Mm. YouTuber, (laughs) nobody's ever heard of is taking your place at a game. You waited two hours to play, you know? Um, So that's my PAX rambling real quick. But, um, you know, I I thought that that would have been – man, and that Mixer booth had prime real estate. It really did. Uh, And it was in between like four of the most populated areas. How different could Mixer have looked had they were bringing people into their booth or saying, hey, you know what? We can set you up right now to stream on Mixer. Log in an account. We're going to let you stream right here live from PAX. It'll be your first Mixer stream, right? that could have had so much of a different feeling as a booth compared to what everybody else was doing. Um, I think had they really kind of leaned into that community part of it, that mixer yeah. had already rather than trying to say, yeah, well, we're rock stars and you know, you guys can sit out here and watch the zoo. Um. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I think, I think they kind of course corrected at a E3 a little bit. Um, the most recent E3, uh, which I guess was 2019. God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, Wait, when is E3? Was it 2018 that I'm July thinking July must of? have
2: been 2018, right? Cause
3: they oh, canceled. God. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm, I'm losing all sense of goddamn time. Wait, did... No, E3 happened last year. Was Mixer not at E3
1: 2019?
3: I can't remember when I was laid off. I think I was laid off right after E3. So it must have been 2019. Uh, so anyway, so they had a more... Um, everybody-focused presence at E3. We were at, actually kind of outside of the E3 hall. I say we, like I still work there. Uh, we had, we were outside of the mix, Microsoft Theater in like this big inflatable dome.
0: Oh, and
1: wow. And
3: they had this, um so you would go into this igloo-looking oh, thing. Oh, I might
1: have walked, I, I was still living in LA at the time. I think I walked past that.
3: Oh, yeah. You should have yeah. come in. It was air conditioned. <laughs> it was great. Um, so you would walk into this big inflatable igloo-looking thing, lay down on these weird like, uh, rocking chair things almost, but you were like laying down fully. And then they played this um absolutely baffling cartoon introduction to what Mixer was. And I turned to the camera guy I was working with who, who didn't know anything about Mixer. He was there just to film interviews. And I turned to the camera guy after the, the little animated story about what Mixer was. And I said, so did that clarify anything about what Mixer is to you? And he said, no. Not at all. <laughs> and there was like flying hamburgers and pizzas. What was that all about? And I said, yeah, yeah I don't, I still don't think we're doing a, a great outreach job, <laughs> yeah. but at least you got some swag. I think you got some like keychains or something from, from that booth.
2: I mean, that drives so much of, of the PAX experience. I'm not surprised that they ran with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, just kind of in general, though, I, I had a, I had a very high feeling of mixer and when it kind of cratered, I, I felt bad, you know, and I, I mean, not just, you know, for you personally, but for the other people who put a lot of work into it. And I, I kind of wanted to see kind of where my yeah. streamer friends landed because it seemed to them it was very abrupt. It was not something that they were had hearing about, planned about. But even from my end, I mean, I kind of had the feeling like, hey, this can't last forever because it's just not, you know, growing at the rate I thought it would be by now. Yeah, and um,
3: I I hope I don't get myself in trouble here, but even when we were working there, we knew we were not going to retire at that job.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't think people at Twitch will retire at Twitch, you know, if you want yeah. to be careful about it, because it's just such a it's such a follow the crowd type service, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure people at Face or at MySpace originally really thought there, nothing's going to come along and destroy MySpace, and I bet you people at Facebook are thinking it right now. But I'll tell you, if I worked at Facebook, I wouldn't be, you know, what I mean. So there's potential when you're a technology based on popularity that that goes any day, you know, yeah. just the cool kids move for some reason. Right. Yep. Um, but I, I just want to kind of maybe get from your standpoint, like what was it like for maybe like the differences between what you guys saw and maybe what the partner saw.
3: Oh, as far as uh mixer like, shutting down. Yeah. Um, I guess I can't really speak to the partner experience because I do was so like removed from that side of things when I did speak to partners I, it, <laughs> and again, hopefully I don't get myself in trouble. It seems like some streamers, some people who do streaming professionally are a little bit removed from reality.
2: Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. And,
3: uh, <laughs> And so I think they might, at least a couple of the people I talked to, I'm sure there were much more business savvy people than some of the folks I talked to. And again, I have friends who are streamers, so I'm not painting all of them by with a broad brush by any means. Um, but I think some of them thought they were going to be doing it forever. Some of them thought, like, yeah, we're going to overtake Twitch anytime.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah.
3: And then on the other hand, I also saw a bunch of partners getting really frustrated with the process because I think there was a lot of turnover in the partner management side of the world. Um, Just, uh, you know, they were doing different initiatives every other month and kind of like doing like different, you know, you had to meet different metrics all the time. And I think there wasn't a whole lot of cohesion on that side of things.
1: Yeah. And just like at a, at a fundamental level, it gets really frustrating when your point of contact changes every few months. Yeah.
2: I, Absolutely. I, but one of the perspectives I got from it, too, um, was just kind of seeing, like, in a way, like the, the partnership metrics, right? Um, I had a, a friend who wanted to basically switch over to Mixer, kind of in like, and he was confused, just very confused by the, the metrics. They kind of shifted so many times. For a while, it was a lot easier to get partnered. Um, for, people who don't understand partnered is uh, is when you can basically start getting paid for streaming rather than just doing it for fun there's certain metrics you have to meet number of viewers hours streamed um every service kind of has their own list of hey in order to be partnered this is what you've got to do um and i think mixers was probably considered to be one of the easier ones to get partnered on um even more so than uh youtube or twitch or facebook but I think that some of it uh, had changed kind of in the later days where they were maybe looking more for you to bring an audience to Mixer rather than the other way around, um, which I thought was kind of a writing-on-the-wall type scenario. Uh, and then
3: I don't know if you guys followed the controversy that kind of um, put you know a, a little bit of a nasty stank on the end of Mixer, uh, but there was yeah. some some racial and um, right. kind of work, workplace animosity um that came out and kind of right at the end. And so I think I was seeing a tiny little bit of that. Um, Cause that was all in the partner world. Yes, um,
2: yeah, that, that, yeah. I think they specifically said it was partner relations that were, that was mostly going on.
3: Yeah. Uh, from my point of view, everything was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, so I think, And again, not to get anybody in trouble or get myself in trouble, but I think there was just a lot of turmoil kind of in that side of things, both from the business perspective and just the interpersonal interaction perspective.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Um, Oh, go uh, ahead, go ahead.
1: It's something we don't always realize is that organizations can be very siloed. And like, you know, my, my past workplace in LA, I would hear about all sorts of, drama going down going down on like five doors down the hall and i would have no involvement in it whatsoever really understand what was going on and but you know you end up kind of feeling the the downstream effects of that drama you know three four months down the line oh
2: yeah i I work in insurance and you know People have called me yelling about the company I work for. And I'm like, man, do you know how big we are? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I, I like one. I can't even look at your claim if I wanted to. It's illegal. But two, I mean, we're, you know, I can't tell you why everything's state by state and this and that. But it feels like a cop out to tell your friends I don't know about what's going on with this. But at the same time, I, I get it from the perspective of sometimes companies are just so big we just don't interact with enough of it to tell you, you oh,
3: know, yeah. what's
2: really going on, especially. Um,
3: Especially Xbox is divided up into, I think it's five or six, maybe even seven different pillars. Mm -hmm. And even within those pillars, you have a a bunch of different groups. Like I work for Xbox Design, which is part of the Xbox product services or Xbox research and development. And like there's so many different it's like an octopus. There's so many different things going on that maybe don't necessarily merge in together.
2: Was there, like, a feeling, like, maybe early in the days, like, you know what, maybe we can pull this off. Maybe we can, re- you know, replace Twitch, or maybe we can be, you know, at least in that kind of conversation. It was, like, how how yeah. often, I guess, did that, those kind of, like, things come up? Was that at least, like, a feeling at some point? Or was it always kind of like, it's us against the world, and maybe we'll pull this off, but, you know.
3: I mean, I think when I first started working there, we always knew that we were the underdogs. We had no illusions that we were, you know, um, in a better place than we were, but I think there was, at least at the beginning, a certain sense that we could make a lot of headway being integrated into Xbox already,
0: mm-hmm.
3: but that turned out to be our downfall, because um, PlayStation especially, I think what we needed to do to kind of expand was to get integrated with other platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were making a little bit of headway with Nintendo when I got laid off, but um, PlayStation especially did not want to play ball with us. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, for a million reasons, number one being Xbox yeah. being their main competitor. <laughs> like, why this, why in God's name would you work with them?
1: It's this, this generation. I know we're getting a little bit off topic. But this generation is kind of in a story of um, every other platform Playing ball except for sony platforms
3: yeah right 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 yeah the little, crossblade debacle i mean a
2: little bit of that pride before the fall though if you ask me because i'm going to be interested to see what happens i mean other companies have been on the top before too you know and yeah. we've seen this exact story play out where you can't have that level of too bad we're big you're not we're not going to play because it, it grinds people down you know and more than anything right now, the, the console you play on, the system you play on, is where your friends are. And that's it, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, all I played last gen was was PS4 because I played a lot of Destiny, you know, uh, when it came out. And I didn't play a lot of Xbox. And then when Destiny 2 hit PC, I haven't even turned my PS4 on outside of, you know, a few exclusives here and there. So it can change just that quick for, for everyone, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, for
3: me, for me personally, I turn on the PlayStation when I want to play a story-driven game, like Death Stranding or God of War, and I turn on the Xbox when I want to play with my buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, exactly. I, I mean, it also helps that all my friends also work for Xbox, but, that's, <laughs> you know, besides the point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, like, for me, all my friends are, are on PC, and that's where I game with friends, and then Solo is on is on the PS4 or the Switch. Right. Um, so, yeah, it all depends on, on, like, where where you kind of are. Um, but it's it's kind of a shame that we're we're in a situation where platform holders aren't really willing to play ball with each other, mm-hmm. um, and that that you know that that did as you as you point out affect affect Mixer ultimately.
3: Yeah. Um, so so I guess yeah. going back to what I was saying about the um, kind of vibe when we first worked there was yeah we we thought maybe we could make some carve out our own space into the streaming world, but I think we caught on pretty quickly that uh, that just wasn't going to happen because, you know, so I produced um, several different uh, news-style shows. Uh, For instance, uh, what did I do? I did a PlayStation-focused show, ironically. The Blue
2: Show, right?
3: Blue Show. Yeah. Uh, I I, uh, helped produce and write The Red Show. Um, I produced, wrote, and... (laughs) Yeah, it's a Nintendo one, sorry. I produced, wrote, and directed uh, This Week in Esports, which was obviously an esports news show. Um, Was that it? I want to say there was a couple more. Um, And we kind of had the feeling that we were, or we didn't have the feeling, we knew this outright, that we were just kind of the uh, one foot into the pool kind of introduction into hopefully getting Nintendo and PlayStation to open up their doors a little bit.
2: Oh, that's interesting.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what our function was. And then once once it became obvious that that wasn't happening, once our viewership wasn't climbing at all. Uh, like, we had some very loyal viewers, but we just weren't gaining any. And I think once that became apparent, we, we all saw the writing on the wall.
2: That's kind of a hard spot to be in though right because like consoles especially are very territorial right oh yeah so you're basically yeah. like doing a show about the competitor behind enemy lines and then they're expecting you know what i mean like right. i don't know I, of all I mean... the shows on that on that channel I, I thought there would have been a really like an expectation like hey this one's probably not going to grow <laughs> because...
3: well and and that was the troubling thing like <laughs> on the one hand we're constantly saying like, oh no, Mixer is platform agnostic. We're not just relegated to the Xbox. You can play any kind of platformer or any kind of platform that you want and stream on Mixer. And at the exact same time, we couldn't talk about certain games because Xbox had worked out a marketing deal with certain games. So I couldn't, God, I want to say we couldn't talk about Fallout 76 like at all. Wow. Not that that turned out to be a huge <laughs> <Yeah>. loss, but <laughs> we, yeah, like, we couldn't mention it because there was like a whole bunch of Xbox marketing stuff. So we were really hamstrung in what we were trying to do um, while at, at the same time saying, oh, no, we're platform agnostic. We love PlayStation, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I felt that especially with, with PC stuff because um, it, it felt like Mixer wanted the pc you know, to be – feel welcome and stuff like that. And obviously that's, I think where you the majority of your streamers were just because of, you know, tech alone type issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also kind of get the feeling where there would be like some PC exclusive games and it, it just felt like I wasn't seeing anyone streaming them or talking about them or anything. I don't know if it was like a partnership deal or if just the audience or what, but it always kind of felt a little bit weird as an outsider that like there would be a huge PC release and I would see zero people on mixer streaming it. Right. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of like specific examples, but you would just see it now and then. There'd be a big release, and it'd be like, okay, let's go see who's streaming this new game, and the answer was no one. So, you know,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. I think also just like one of the one of the challenges in general with, with juggling multiple platforms is like even um, media organizations that are separate from platforms. Uh, like if you look at say Revision Three. Was, was big for a while, and then they eventually collapsed, even though they had all their dedicated shows, um, because this is just a really hard space to gain traction in in general.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a and,
1: really good point. like, it's just really hard to get eyeballs on stuff.
2: And, and also, you're kind of dealing with this whole thing where, like, especially when Mixer was kind of, like, making its way, it seemed like the only thing anybody in the world wanted to watch was Fortnite. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Fortnite sucked (laughs) up all the air in the streaming world. And it was like most people who've been around, you know, like I'm just talking about like me, like as a as a player of games was like, this ain't going to last forever. This is you know what I mean? This is a weird little bubble. And if I was a person, I would not make my I would not try to be a dedicated esports. All I play is, you know, Fortnite person because. There's going to be a cream that rises to the top. It's going to be around for a little bit, and then you're not going to hear about Fortnite in five years. But, you know, everybody knows that, but it's hard to tell people that, right? Um, But Fortnite was sucking so much. I mean, Twitch everywhere, it was just sucking so much of the air out of the room where if you weren't streaming Fortnite, you you pretty much weren't even playing. You pretty much weren't even streaming because that's all anybody anywhere wanted to watch, it seemed. Um, And I saw a lot of that effect mixer where I was like, I would watch people who were kind of like, by nature, I would call them like a variety streamer, like a good mm-hmm. personality playing, you know, maybe like smaller games here and there and stuff. But they were forcing themselves to play Fortnite poorly, yeah. <laughs> you know, is the way I would I would put it, you know, and it's like, well, this is what they want. I guess I'm going to stream this all day.
3: Yeah, and, whenever whenever yeah. I wanted to troll any of the shows I wasn't working on, that's what I would say in Chad is play Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, like, you even see this in the Let's Play world where, like, Achievement Hunter gets stuck playing Minecraft and GTA five day in and day out. And, like, it is a job for them. You know, they're getting paid to do this. But, like, at a certain time it's demoralizing where, like, you play four, you play Minecraft five hours a day and then maybe get to play something else interesting for a little bit later
2: in the week. Well, like, specifically for Mixer, I feel like what it kind of did was it, like, stunted some growth for streamers who naturally probably would have been better at something else, but they yeah. felt like all people wanted to watch and all they could play for whatever reason was Fortnite, Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: you know, like somebody who might've naturally been a, a fun RPG streamer to watch as they, you know, play through a Skyrim, you know, play where they're, you know, max luck or something. Right. That, that person was just kind of crushed by Fortnite, And they would look at the view totals and say, damn, there's 50,000 people right now watching, ninja you know what the hell am i doing streaming for or skyrim to 15 people you know um, yeah and some of that is like a victim of circumstances and some of that is just that's where everybody everybody was at that time i watched twitch streamers who now this day are probably playing whatever the opposite of fortnite is struggle and play fortnite for a month or two just because that's what it seemed like everyone mm-hmm. was playing um but yeah that, i think that was kind of a weird Slash interesting time uh, at for for that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's been kind of an interesting time in the industry as a whole, as it's like coming down from the Fortnite high and you know Fortnite's now and broil in its own weird controversy that we're not going to break down today. Um, but the way streaming has kind of transitioned from being this this very niche thing to being the mass market thing that just teenagers watched to these days like instead of television mm-hmm. um it we're in time, we're in times where the media environment is just changing so much mm-hmm. and changing so rapidly that you know a game that's popular on Twitch one month is just going to collapse the next and it's really hard to make predictions about where to take a platform when you're operating
2: in that environment right and the other thing is you can tell somebody who wants to be a streamer, okay, well, hey, get good at this game because this is what people are watching, but you can't tell people who want to get into streaming, hey, have a good personality or be, you
3: know what I mean? (laughs) Hey, why
2: don't you work on being interesting? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I I think... Be better. (laughs) I think some of that is just going to be by nature is like people just aren't going to be able to, you know, react to that. But I think the other thing would be, you know, the more people you watch get into streaming, the harder it is, the less it seems like something that you're going to pay bills with. And hopefully the more what I'm seeing at least streaming wise on, on some of the thing is this kind of turn to like celebrities using it as like a social media outlet. Almost. Um, that's what I'm seeing more and more on Twitch. Gary Widow running an animal crossing talk show, you know, like who would have thought that that <laughs> yeah, would have been Phil
1: Spencer even appeared on. it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> who would have thought that that would have been like one of the biggest quarantine outlets for people's, you know, things, but it makes sense. So, That's where I think if you want to talk about where it's going or where it's headed, I think you're going to have that using the format almost like a YouTube, like a YouTube that that has comments almost,
3: which isn't bad. I think that's probably exactly the case.
1: I think, yeah, we're going to see more real-time machinima too. Right. Um, And that's – and like talk shows and stuff like that. That's something that Twitch never really capitalized on that much. For whatever reason, like I know Twitch has some official programming, um, but it's never been, it was never as prominent as it was say, on Mixer. Um, well, they're probably and, tied
2: to Amazon because I've seen a lot of, uh, hey, let's watch this Amazon show. Um, what was that one where the people died and went to that weird version of heaven? The Good Place? No, so,
1: no, no. The, see, here's the thing about Amazon Prime. I know it has originals. Yeah. I just, like, you could name an Amazon original, and I, I would believe you if you said it existed.
2: <laughs> so, I, I don't know what it's like. It's like, people die, but they get their body uploaded into, like, a digital consciousness. Um, I can't... It's, it wasn't a big hit. It's not anything you Yeah, Mer-
1: Merv Was it, like, um, the, a black comedy of sorts? Kind of,
2: yeah. And it's, like, you have to buy ad time to basically stay in their version of heaven, almost, like... It, it was weird, but anyway...
3: That, I, that I, sounds I, like the most depressing show I've ever oh, heard of. Oh, completely. Like, i, I of all the things i, watch I, I right remember
2: now, show what that grapples you're talking
3: about
2: <laughs> with immortality and death yeah i'm good um but I, I remember the only reason i remember this is because and, and munition who's a, a popular streamer but she usually does like hardcore fps content like rainbow six siege at the highest level type stuff right did a sponsored stream where she did like a let's watch uh, of that show and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> like, like one of those reactions where I was like, "You guys don't. This is just. Hey, this person's popular. We have this show. Put them together, and I'm sure it's going to work out." Th- yeah, does that make I th- sense?
3: I think that's that speaks to one thing that companies are really, really grappling with right now is that they do not know how to monetize this mm-hmm. content at all.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, great, they're viewing it, but how do I get them to pay? Right. Right. And yeah, uh, I mean. I think Mixer had an interesting answer in how you pay the partners, which mm-hmm. was sparks sparks to me is maybe the best idea that Mixer had that Twitch has tried to copy with channel points, but it ain't even close to the same, right? Mm-hmm. Sparks was a way where through your viewership, you could pay your partner, the, the person you're watching, right? Um, Twitch doesn't have like that. It has subs where you subscribe to them and you pay them $5 a month. I think it's like a 50, 50 cut, between amazon and the the um the the streamer but sparks was like an alternative currency basically right i don't know exactly how it worked but the more sparks you got the more money you got somehow um but i think the the toughest thing right now is that the big streaming platforms have bigger parent companies who get how monetizing the what they do normally works. Amazon gets how to make money off of shipping you shitty stuff from China. They get that. They do it all day, right? But what they don't really get, I think as far as Twitch is, well, shit, we got 50,000 people watching shroud fart around in z but man, only like half of them are even paying us anything and we want to get ads, but as soon as the ads show up, they start putting on these ad blockers and you know they complain about the ads and nobody wants to watch the ads and the streamers don't want to do the ads because it takes away from watching their content how do we find this nice thing so while streaming is profitable i'm sure it ain't anywhere near amazon or microsoft or facebook or youtube standards for what profitable is right no
3: and i think i think google has at least managed to make headway into making youtube profitable but then they're also having to face like issues that I'm sure they've never foreseen with like YouTube content creators, adopting children and then giving them up. So like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like there's
2: what the, f- yeah, that was a, oh, have you was...
3: not heard about this story?
2: They adopted we, a kid. I, hey,
3: we can do a whole I... podcast on just that story. <laughs>
1: What We will do an episode one day on just like weird internet <laughs> shit, but like I don't even have – I don't have the mental capacity to process this right now.
2: So I think what you're seeing too though with YouTube is by making YouTube profitable for YouTube or Google, they've made YouTube less profitable for the content creators, right? Yeah, and that's exactly. what you're constantly yeah. seeing them complain about is why was this demonetized? Why was this copyright strike? Right. So it's a weird give and take, right? Because what's going to happen to YouTubers who start getting demonetized? I'll tell you what, because I have friends who are YouTubers and they're on Twitch right now, right? Because uh, it's like, shit, at least I can guarantee I'm getting a cut rather than I don't know if this video is going to make me a cent that I worked on for two months, right? Mm -hmm. Um,
1: That's been like a a huge problem. And like, you know, content rating like Mixer did creates its own issues, mm -hmm. but something that YouTube has steadfastly refused to do. Even though everybody, you know, tells them it's something they might need, Um, and that, like, it's it's kind of a problem of their own creation because they don't want to address other problems. Right. Um, Yeah. So, and I guess in the end, they found a way to make it only hurt the content creators, but it does frustrate people, and they do end up leaving the platform.
2: Right. And there's a reason that people look back at five or six years ago is the golden age of youtube and it was because that's where you could get paid to make creative content and get seen by lots of people right but right now do you know where the money is on youtube is making 10 minute videos of cinderella kissing snow white and you know putting a million clickbait titles and hoping that it somehow stays kid-friendly enough that it just shows up on weird playlists right like it's not in the, the hours long of editing creative stuff that it used to be, right? You're not yeah, seeing many I, I don't know
3: too. how you have children in a world with YouTube. Like it's that, insane. Just that it, idea freaks me out.
2: Yeah, I, I come home and I'm like, I know we're not supposed to do it, right? But there is times where like, look, I need an hour, <laughs> right? <laughs> I need an hour to go do something. Here's my phone, right? And you know, I always go back through and see what what he's watching. I'm like, what even is some of this shit? It's it's a two hour Daddy Finger remix. You know the song Daddy Finger, Daddy— You know, it's two hours of that. <laughs> oh, I didn't like... know that song. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't make it up. It's extremely popular on YouTube. Um, <laughs>
3: that bothers me a lot. Yeah. So it's
2: it, it's uh like and then but they do it with like Marvel characters for two hours, and then what they do? This is the fucking insidious shit. Is they put an ad every. Thirty seconds on a two-hour-long video, right? And guess what? My three-year-old don't know. He watches the whole damn ad, right? So he thinks it's you know thirty seconds of song, thirty seconds of an ad, thirty seconds of a song, and oh, you know. And you're like, oh, what have I just done? I just made some you know horrible person richer. Um, but that's where the money is on YouTube, and that shit is what Google's going to figure out, and they're going to shut it down, and then there's going to be no money in YouTube. And <laughs> you know,
1: um, it's going to keep going around in a cycle. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that, like, like you mentioned, a lot of these platforms are owned by larger companies, and sometimes they like they try to leverage their their plat- their streaming platform or their video platform for cross promotion, like they did with this show whose name is eluding us. So clearly, the cross promotion didn't work. <laughs> um, but like the weirdest thing for me was Amazon not really uh, promoting Crucible on Twitch. Yeah, and then like. Unreleasing it. That still blows my mind <sighs> well, that you have the biggest streaming platform in the world and you can't get people excited about a game designed for streaming. That's that's messed yeah, up. Right? That
2: game's got problems. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, you can usually. So for all the good and bad things about Twitch communities, there's definitely kind of an anti anti-authoritarian stance on a lot of that stuff, right? I've seen it in a lot of Twitch chats where they'll basically say, this is Amazon versus this is Twitch, right? Like some streamer will be doing something, some sponsored content, but like, Oh, Amazon content is what they call it. Or they'll say, Oh, it's Amazon content, right? Versus Twitch content. So there, there is some of that (laughs) stuff brewing. Um,
1: It's the same company. It it says Twitch by Amazon.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, But You know how, like, when you were probably a teenager or or whatever, and, like, it was like, I'm I'm not going to do what they tell me, but I'm still going to buy Rage Against the Machine, which is, you know, produced by Capitol Records, right? You know what I mean, right? (laughs) Like, there's a feeling of standing up to somebody by saying or doing things that just isn't true. I mean, everybody's getting their money somehow, right?
3: And
1: now you do what they told you. Yeah, (laughs)
2: but I think that,
1: like, I'm not even that cynical about it. I just think, you know, like you know, I'll I'll believe in in the lyrics of the music or whatever, but I understand where my money's going at the end of the day. And, you know, we can all sit here and say, oh, there's no ethical consumption or capitalism. Fine. But like, I think you have to be aware of like, you have to have an awareness of where, where your money's going and whom you're paying at the end of the day. Right.
2: I think the hardest thing, though, about about Twitch at some point, though, is I don't I wonder you you will never know, but I wonder how much like of a operating cost negative Twitch is because I bet you it's a lot. I I mean I'm just thinking about like bandwidth oh, yes. and servers, VODs staying on there forever. I bet you that the top five percent of streamers is probably ninety eight percent of the income of of yeah. Twitch, right?
3: And Amazon's Amazon's not afraid to operate at a loss, weren't they? Selling right. the Kindle. Oh yeah, <laughs> still selling the Kindle at a loss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft.
1: I mean, Amazon operated at a loss for much of its early years of existence until it became profitable. It was just they kept willing to pour money into it and undercut other people and kill the competition. And now look at how profitable
2: they are. Yeah, but I I just, I just wonder with Twitch if it's going to have the same end end result because, in, in my mind, if you're sitting there and you're the guy doing the books, you're saying, look, why are we paying this partner guy? who's got 50 people viewing, who also view our top guys, by the way. They also subscribe to our 10,000 viewer guy. Why are we paying these smaller guys to do anything for us? You know, mm. They're not bringing in ad revenue, really. The, the subs that they're getting are, you know, we're getting a cut of 200 subs on, on, on the high end, but we're also subsidizing all this other stuff for them. Does this make sense long-term as a company? I don't know. I, I, I feel like streaming isn't going to be a thing for long in a weird way.
3: No, unless- I kind of agree. But on the other hand, I, I think the entire gaming industry, the profits, the economics of gaming do not make the least bit of sense to me. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And, and then you hear they make more money than movies, and it's like,
3: how? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, but they lose money selling consoles, and, and, but right. they're making money. It's uh, my brain. That, that's That's
2: where I will say, and I've been on the Microsoft train for a while. I think digital distribution purely as a platform is what makes the most sense. That's why Steam has the market share they do, right? Because (laughs) I don't, you know, what happened when Steam tried to make a console? Oh, I'm sorry, a Steam machine. What happened then, you know? Or the Steam controller that you can get for four bucks right now. I mean, there's companies that.
3: I entirely agree with you, but then I installed a physical copy of God of War this morning on my <laughs> Xbox, and it took like 10 minutes, and I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this physical media.
2: Yeah, I know. Uh, that, that's that's the pros and cons. Even when you've got fast internet, and you get home, and you get excited about a game, you're like, oh, God. Now All I gotta- <laughs> right.
3: I'm going to cook dinner, Three take hours shower, aside, and yeah. uh, feed my cat, and vacuum, well, and then I'll be able to play.
2: My, my poor PlayStation. Every yeah. time I turn it on, like the four months worth of updates, it's got to do every <laughs> time. I'm like,
1: I, I don't understand how my my PS4 up, uh, which is which is wired uh, by via Ethernet, updates slower than my Switch over Wi-Fi. Yeah, I don't
0: exactly.
1: get it. I mean, to be fair, the Switch for all its other like bare bones internet woes is really snappy for some reason in terms of just getting stuff quickly onto the machine. I don't know what the wizards at Nintendo worked out to make it update so quickly, but like the PS4 is so yeah, slow. It's,
2: it's infuriating I sometimes. The... I mean, like, because especially because it's like those type of single player games. I just want to jump on and play. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. I, I'm like I don't care if I can't connect to PSN right now. It doesn't affect me at all for playing. You know, two hours of Spider Man or whatever. But yeah. Like, it, it, it drives me crazy. Um, yeah,
3: my boyfriend and I will get like a couple of whiskeys in and we'll be like, oh, we should play GTA V. And then, oh, okay, it's 45 minutes worth of updates. So and <laughs> by the time that's done, we don't want to play anymore.
2: You'll be like, hey, uh, right. right. <laughs> like, we're, we're whiskeyed out. We can't play at PlayStation now. Um, yeah, but that that's, I guess, long term. I guess my concern would be is if I was a streamer, I'd be definitely having eyes towards the future. And I think the person who does is named Ninja. I think he yeah. saw the writing on the wall and cashed out. And I think, you know, because people are like, where is he going to stream? Who cares? He, he, you know yeah. what I mean? Who cares where he stream? he's streamed? Right? Yeah. He's a
3: oh, millionaire. He, he, he lives on an island somewhere now. Yeah.
2: I mean, he, he <laughs> is less concerned about where he's going to stream than probably anybody else on the planet, to be honest with right. you. You know? Um, and I think I think that that's going to be the future is these streamers who realize, like, look, I'm an interesting person who creates interesting content and puts, you know, effort into it. If I can get an audience to come with me no matter where I go, I'm not going to be beholden to the Amazons and Googles and Microsofts of the world, right? And I think that's the goal now for these big streamers. Um, I don't know.
1: I mean, it's also kind of a fantasy, though. Like, for a while, everybody was – when Dr. Disrespect got banned from Twitch, everyone's like, oh, it's because Dr. Disrespect is going to launch his own right. streaming service with Spotify. He um, doesn't need to. Yeah. He
2: doesn't need to stream a, another day in his life based on what he got from Twitch, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I I, I think that's – you know how like there was like youtube famous and then there was internet famous and then there was like movie star right mm-hmm. so i think some of these guys are saying the money is in movie star the money ain't in youtube famous or internet famous right so unless you're going to push through that barrier where you're not going to be responsible to anyone else for you know paying bills and you don't have to do anything with your content you don't want to do i mean like how even though that only applies to one or 2% of people, guess what? Every streamer who streams right now thinks I'm going to be that one or 2%, right? Oh yeah. That's gonna oh, be, yeah. I'm gonna be
1: Yeah. I mean, but what's their ceiling? It's like a sci-fi
2: original, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, it, like, it, they're not going to be sharp-nada.
1: in blockbuster films. Right. right? But,
2: yeah. You know, when hearing that Ninja had a part cut out of the latest Jumanji, um, I don't know if you heard that. He, he oh was going to, right how what did he contribute it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because you know why because someone somewhere at whoever the hell produced jumanji goes man you know what kids like ninja in <laughs> his you know what i mean that's it that's that's the barrier right now is to trick the olds or the non-gamers or whatever you want to call them into saying you know this is where it's at this guy has the pulse you know um the kids and
3: sure love this blue haired boy
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't know, but my I got a nephew, and let me tell you what he watches. You know, (laughs) and and that's that's kind of where I see streaming going is just make a big enough name for yourself so that you can get the hell out of streaming, and that's that's kind of a dead end. You know, Uh, I wouldn't want to be.
1: And it's also only going to happen to,
2: like, the top 0.1% of people. Yeah,
3: I think, I think you have a better chance of being a professional football player than you do of but, but being a professional about, streamer.
2: But how many kids are going to play football this year and with that dream? And how many people are going to take acting lessons and work as a waitress yeah. You know, with that dream? Yeah. And selling dreams is what America's always been about. That's some politics shit, but you know what I mean? We're selling yeah. a dream to these kids. And my kid wants to stream every day. Every day he asks me if he can start. I told him not until he's 11. That's that's our barrier. But every day he asks me, can he start streaming? You know, and it's not because he really gives a shit about streaming. It's because he wants to be ninja. You know, he wants to he wants to have that cool personality where people can't wait. And, you know, the the feeling he feels when he uh, when when his favorite streamer logs on and he can't wait to see what they're gonna do that day. He wants yeah. that feeling. But on the other end of it,
0: yeah.
1: And I
2: mean, it's not bad. It's not good, but. You know, yeah.
1: like my my boss's teenage son is a streamer with some following, mm-hmm. which is just a completely different world from, you know, what I grew up in 15 years ago. Um, you know, it, like things times have changed.
2: It, it, this is funny. I, I got a lawyer. I don't. That sounds way bigger than it is. I, I got a speeding ticket once and I hired a lawyer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we got to oh, talking I about it. Yeah, yeah, I got a lawyer. He's a small-time lawyer, but, you know, he got me out of the tickets, so good for him. But uh, you got into that conversation. I don't know how it came up, but we were talking about gaming. And so what he handed me was a business card for his nephew who streams. And I I still think about that to this day. That makes me want to throw up. Isn't it weird, though, right? (laughs) Like, my lawyer handed me not his own business card but he handed me a business card for his nephew who streams i still think about how weird that interaction was uh and i mean this is i'm not in i'm not in LA i'm not in Seattle i'm not in some hotbed for tech i'm in raleigh which yeah we do have epic and a couple other companies you know but i just think about that to this day hey uncle uh if you ever talk to anybody who plays games give them this card so they'll watch my stream and i mean what a what an interaction right so uh, I, I think about that
1: a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. L.A., for some weird reason, is not big on business cards. The one time I handed <laughs> someone my business card in L.A., they handed it back to me. <laughs> what
3: What industry did you work in?
1: Um, I, I work in, in research.
3: So, so. I, I used to work in television. And I tell you what, I uh, went out drinking one night and kind of blacked out and woke up at home and had about 10 business cards that I did not recognize at all. (laughs) So I I think that might be heavily industry dependent.
2: Yeah, I get a ton of business cards, but they're all from roofers, and (laughs) that's not very exciting stuff. It's like, oh, man. You know, because they they, they can enter the company. What if you find somebody who needs a roof, you know? No, I can't even refer them. They're just wasted paper giving it to me, but I don't tell them that because I don't like most roofers, but... Anyway,
1: what I'm gleaning ah. from this is that I should take that as a personal insult. Yeah,
2: yeah, Mark. Um, Get some cards. Dude. Anyway,
1: <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um this has been a really good discussion of like the streaming industry and where is where celebrity culture and everything is all heading. Um so I think it's time to call this podcast to a close and let me just say if you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast you can follow us on our website at avocadogamescast.wordpress.com, where we post each episode along with a linked up. The facts check. I can say facts words checks. that fact checks. <laughs> facts checks. Facts um, checks. Oh, like like a charming thing from from Paper Mario. Uh, fast travel is called fax travel, and you literally just hop in a fax Okay, that's great. Yeah, that, that is that is one of the best parts. That, of that might be what so uh, on it. <laughs> yeah, that's like the only good thing about it. Um, <laughs> no I'm kidding uh, so we posted a link up that fact checks all of our blathering you can also subscribe to us on iTunes just search for Avocado Gamescast and we've talked a lot about the community that we're all a part of The Avocado which you can check out at the-avocado.org alright all right. good one thank yep. you for, for joining me today in this discussion and to our listeners we'll see you next time bye
3: Ciao. bye Fortnite <laughs>